The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. I don't think I can win. And he was like, yeah, fucking sucks, doesn't it? Something like that. He just fucking spit something in my face. And I was like, God damn it. The four full fable, uh, four full, the full four fable of the mirror breakers. It's okay, Matt. We only talk for a living. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planesalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Not too bad. Uh, got my day off. Uh, spent it at the dentist. Um, Ew. Apparently, I chipped a tooth while I was flossing. Um, you floss really aggressively. I floss like a boss. <laughs> but uh, so I got that filled. So that sucked. Um, no, I, it wasn't that bad. I've got a. The last one was at the dentist. I've got two cavities that need filled. This was like fucking three months ago, so I really need to go back. And they were like, do you want to schedule that? And I was like, uh, no. I don't really have that money right now because <laughs> it's going to be expensive. And I learned after the fact that uh, my wife's insurance through her work doesn't have dental. So I'm definitely like, I, yeah, I need yeah. to get that taken care of. It's like, I don't know where that's going to come from. Yeah, dental insurance feels like a scam until you have to do something like a cavity. Yeah. Because like I was looking Dude. at it. I had it I was mean, like going to be like five hundred bucks without because I'm on my wife's dental. Did I tell you how I learned I don't have dental insurance? Uh-uh. They had to redo my X-rays, and so they just did them, and then I got a bill in the mail for three hundred dollars. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And my wife's like, "Oh yeah, we don't have dental." And I was like, "Thank you for telling yeah, me." You might want to give me a heads up. I would have just said no. And right. they're like, "Hey, it's been eight months. You want to get your X-rays done again?" No, I don't. No, just clean my teeth. Nothing's changed. Right. Um. So Sorry, did, how's your day going? So went to the dentist. That was, you know, like I said, fine. Um, the uh, I got over the needles to the mouth real quick after the first because I had like a messed up tooth mm-hmm. and like it was starting to hurt and it was hurting bad enough that I'm just like, just shoot me full of stuff and get this tooth. After that one, I was like, yeah, the needles don't really matter anymore. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just close my eyes and just deal with it because I know the good stuff's coming. Yeah. So did that, uh, mow the lawn and then... Took the dog for a walk, and then after that, I got to sit down for some satisfactory. So, uh, for anybody who's been interested, we've been slowly working on our factory, Jake and I. And then no one cares about that. So anyway, my day was pretty good. (laughs) I (laughs) yeah, you spent it playing satisfactory as well. Um, so we're working on nitrogen now. Uh, we're basically like this one step away from getting nuclear power plants Mm -hmm. going. Um, so those things, those things are beasts. Yeah. So. We're, like, d- we're doing like, a lot of the, the like setup for like that. What, everything you have, which is kind of a lot for us, our tiny little piss ass world, you're producing like, what, like 8,000 kilowatts or, or yeah. whatever it was? What's it measured in? Yeah, it's like 70, I think we have 7.7900 kilowatts. Yeah. And so that's through like. Or no, it's, meg- it's megawatts. 7900 like megawatts. 15 coal generators and probably 20 fuel generators. Yeah. And a single nuclear plant is like 2,500. Yeah. So we could do four nuclear power plants and, and replace be, everything. Replace we have. everything. And the funny thing is, I actually we're at the point where that's that's going to be my next like project because in order to get the stuff going, um, I 
So the way the game works, if you open up your power grid, you can actually see like your max consumption, mm-hmm. your your max production, and then what you're currently making and using. And I never really like having our max consumption. Like if every machine in our system is going at once, I never like having that above what our max production yeah. is. Just because like it's really annoying when you're because it trips a breaker and it shuts your whole thing down. And yeah. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm using switches yet. Um so we're at that point where we're getting close. So my next step is to actually upgrade all of our fuel generators into turbo fuel generators. Mm-hmm. And that'll that's going to shoot our power like through the roof. But do we even need to if we're going to get uranium going soon? Well, the thing is, I think we're current. Like in theory, no. But we will definitely cross that line Man. getting the production of all that stuff just to get the nuclear power plants going. What would be awesome? We're, if it's like 7,900, we're at like 7,500. What would be awesome is if we could rip out your... Um, oil factory and put power put the uranium plants there because it takes yeah. much water and it's yeah. on a lake yeah, we need to find a lake and we I, I'm i leaning more and more towards shipping the uranium to a lake because yep. it takes so much water to run them that's from I again I've watched some videos but I haven't like done like hardcore guides or anything Um, from what I understand <laughs> he, only, he only does softcore yeah just softcore guides Uh, that's what people do. They ship the uranium to the water because the water is a limiting factor for like big nuclear power systems. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing. Just working on that. I didn't get, I didn't do a whole lot of actual like productive stuff. I did a bunch of like kind of housekeeping stuff Mm -hmm. in the game today. So I've been doing lately. I've been going through and like naming all the ports in the uh, train stations and like optimizing stuff and I just haven't felt like doing a big project so I've been yeah. doing like little piddly stuff they can be a little intimidating because like I haven't done any of the nuclear stuff yet so I'm with that nitrogen stuff that I set up today that was the I am now officially doing stuff I've never done before mm-hmm. which is fine but these projects get really big so like the next that like that nuclear plant is going to take like 20 or 30 hours of my time so well, now obviously worry. that won't be all at once. Once it's done, I'll get a train built. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, and I mean, to be fair, that might be something you have to do just to have a, a separate train track that runs from the nuclear plant yeah. to the, and it just runs on a loop, just providing well, us with a bunch of uranium. The, the radiation problem. Yeah. Do you think it'll be faster to do that or it'll be faster to do We could do drones. Belts. Well, we, I don't, the conveyor belts, I don't know. Well, I know, well, I should say. The trains are faster than conveyor belts. They do have a higher throughput, mm. from what I understand. If you build, like, you can... Like, put four cars on? Yeah, like, you, in theory, you could do a lot more than that, right? Okay. So, like, the conveyor belts, you're only ever transporting, unless you do a bunch of them, you're only ever transporting, what, like, 700 and something uh-huh. a minute. You can do, like, trains have a higher throughput, because you could make it, in theory, huge. Yeah. And it's just doing one trip. I don't know if we'd need that much, but... Or, if you wanted to mess around with drones we could do drones now drones aren't going to have a super high throughput but it'd be cool it so, would be cool <laughs> and we could it'd give us something to use our ten thousand batteries for <laughs> so and that would give you an even more complex train system because then you could have the batteries that we have trained over there dropped off at that one and then it could yeah yeah so you could I still would, use trains i would probably just have the drones Pick. where the batteries are being made good well, you can you can only do a to and a from. Oh, you can't do a loop. You can't no, do like you from can't, here to here to here. Nope. You only oh. get a. Yep. They pick something off at one and drop. So they will. They can bring things back and forth. Yeah. So you can pick some a, an item up at A, bring it to B, pick up a different item at B, and bring it back to A. But you can't have it go A B C D E 
A. Like you can't make that loop. So what you're saying is I can start uh I can build drone paths and start just air In dropping. Theory, yes. I can stop I can start air dropping radioactive material to places. <laughs> yes. And just just like depositing it into lines. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean that's one of the things you could do is take the use the drones. I guess in theory you could I don't know if that would be efficient enough, but you could use the drones to pick up the batteries to fuel the drones. So you could just skip the train altogether. Maybe. Just have a central location, then it feeds all the drone ports. We'll figure Welcome it out. to Satisfactory, yeah. the gathering. <laughs> so, well, that's when I got here. We spent like 40 minutes just looking at the screen, like talking about troubleshooting problems. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to, I think my mom called. So we were playing Satisfactory, and my mom called because she wants me to build her some stands for a new aquarium she bought. Yep. She bought like a 150-gallon tank. Oh, sweet. And she wants me to build her a... Uh, Get pictures um, of that once it's going. I just as a very like hobby X or Y for me. I really like fish. You should go to you. So my mom wants to hang out <laughs> with you. We I talk about you all the time, and like she just kind of wants to hang out. She wants to meet you. She, you're my best friend. I mean, you're my best man. But yeah. she has three. Gotcha. She has three functioning saltwater tanks. That's cool. And they're she doesn't turn her TV on anymore. Mm-hmm. She just, just sits at home at night and watches her tank. Yeah. But yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'll get you some pictures. Yeah. Um, we should go hang out sometime. She'd love to. She'd love to hang out with you, and she'd love to. She loves talking about her saltwater tanks she bought a new one she wants me to build her a custom stand for it um but she called what are you doing and i said oh i'm playing satisfactory and my mom is a very good mother and she's like oh what is that taking interest <laughs> it's like wow this game sounds really bad to explain to people <laughs> it's a game where you like build factories and then optimize supply chains yeah well it's just uh, like so like, <laughs> we both work as couriers um my job anymore isn't like delivering manually mm-hmm. anymore but it's basically just logistics and like i really enjoy like i i enjoy logistics yeah i'm not a genius so like i'm not the guy who's going to make a satisfactory guide but i enjoy going in there and trying to figure out the problems i probably could enjoy to solve a logistics style job yep because like i that's my job as a delivery driver is to logistically run a route and yep. like it feels good when you get like a nice smooth path oriented through a complicated mess. Oh yeah, and you can feel the difference in your day. Mm-hmm. Like when you're delivering and things like traffic is just a little off or like if you're in a different truck, it oh, happens, feels different. It happened this morning where like I delivered for the first like hour and a half and I was like, I just can't get anything delivered. Mm-hmm. Just you just you drag and then I then I hit a stride in the next like 3 hours was just like boom 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 boom, but the first like hour and a half I was like, I'm barely working i why is this going so slow you, yeah. you feel the difference yep yeah we should do we should do a whole hour on just logistical planning and right <laughs> just a fucking college course anyone want to know how to load a delivery truck yeah. <laughs> we should get our podcast to the loaders the company we work at <laughs> right you guys hey guys you need to listen to this <laughs> that's just an inside joke yep. people load our trucks for us to deliver and sometimes they do a bad job and the, sometimes they do a worse job. Yeah, and the problem is it's very important that it's done correctly. Yeah. Or that stride you hit where you're kind of in a flow state <laughs> you start is looking just for stuff. gone. So you ever see a, uh, like a FedEx driver or a UPS driver or a USPS driver like mad? It might be because they spent 10 minutes in their truck looking for something. Yeah, trying to find an envelope that was loaded in the wrong yeah. part of the truck. Um, Anywho. So I mostly have Pioneer to talk about because I've been doing that Monday League with Pioneer. It actually, it hit a really good stride yesterday. We had eight people show up, so uh, I promised I would. Um, Drew, who is the who's the gentleman who I helped. What get card in. shop were you playing at? Uh, we're playing at Sage Shop. So gotcha. Sage Shop in West Lafayette's where we play. Highly recommend Sage Shop. It's actually got one of the better communities, just like on average, I've ever seen. There's a, every time I've gone in there, everyone's very friendly. Um, 
And every time I've played there, with the exception of one or two people over the course of like three years, I haven't met the, um, actually, that's not how that works guy. Yeah. I haven't met that guy there. Or woman. There's actually men and women that play there a lot. The people are really cool. It's a good card job. So I helped Drew last week because he Drew walked up and he wanted me to say his name. So I'm he's gonna listen. He's gonna listen yeah. to this like five minute segment. So, but he came up and he was like, "I've never played anything other than Commander. What is this?" And so we talked about Pioneer and how it works and like building a sixty card deck with multiple copies of cards and how you're building towards like really intense synergies instead of like a Commander deck is very synergistic, but it's one ofs. Yeah. And so that night, I actually stayed like two hours after, which my wife was in love with. Yep. And we talk- I actually helped him build a deck on his phone, kind of just brew it up. So he proxied it up. We're currently pro-proxy and came and played. And I t- the, the way he likes to play is he has like 12 main board discard spells, like Agonizing Remorse, Thoughtseize, Duress. And then he has three or he has four main board Necromentia, which is by far the best deck, the best card against my deck because I play Lotus Field. And so you can literally just name Lotus Field. And if I haven't played a Lotus Field, I, I cannot win. Which happened once, where he was like, turn three, Necromentia Lowe's Field. And I was like, cool, next game, <laughs> scoop it up. <laughs> and then the game after that, uh, I beat him. He uh, he was a little slow on it, so I beat him. And then the third game, we had a slog. We played a long game that ended with him exiling uh, all my Thespian stages, all of my Phase of Wishes, my Omniscience. He had stripped my deck down to like, I was looking, I was like, I don't know if I can win this game. And I think mm-hmm. he ripped one more, and it like, and then he hit my Onyx. And I was like, yeah, I took my next turn. I had I, my, I had infinite mana and the ability to draw approximately 40 cards. But and nothing to him, do with them. And I'm like, I think the only way I can beat you is if my Leer kills you. <laughs> my 3-4 Leer. <laughs> Which seems unlikely given that he runs he like plays. Rotting Regisaur and yeah. this Street Brawler that's 6-4 for 3 mana. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like a, just a like, look at my hand, look at him. He's he's super fun to play against. He's very bombastic like yeah. you and me. He jokes and he's loud and he's funny. And it's just like, I don't think I can win. And he was like, Yeah, fucking sucks, doesn't it? Something like that. He just fucking spits <laughs> on my face. And I was like, God damn it. And I had to scoop it up. That was my only loss all night. Uh we had three rounds of Swiss. We had so we had eight people show up, so we got to do three rounds of Swiss. And uh I went two and one. Cool. So I actually came in fourth place. I top I for the first time ever I top four to tournament in paper. You also top aided one. <laughs> I also top aided one. The top four was a little more impressive. Yep. I I do say it's rigged though. The uh I don't know I don't know if I can say his name, so I'm not going to, but the gentleman who organizes it and his wife played for first and second. There, there so you go. So I don't th- I think uh getting some real family gathering vibes from that tournament where I think didn't uh, Joe did Joe Derek won? Yeah, or Joe won, and I got second, and then the, Derek uh, got third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Derek and Joe take first and third in their own tournament. Yeah, the uh, one of the card shops we used to play at. Uh, I won't name it because it's been years, but I don't want to. I'm like the it, reason. The reason I named Sage Shop is I'm actively working. One, I love Sage Shop. It is my preferred card shop, and two, I want to support them, and I want, yeah. I'd love to get to partner with them in the future. But yeah, the uh, well, this is something the guy could technically get in trouble for. Oh, gotcha. It it wasn't anything any of us minded. But it's not something you're supposed to do. Where he would, um, he had a an alternate DCI card, mm-hmm. and he would enter the tournaments, and they oh, were actual tournaments he and plays play his own tournaments. Yeah. So, and well, well, the thing is, he was an like he was an awesome guy. We yeah. all loved like it was just one of those things where it's like no one here cares. We just want to play yeah. Magic, and oh, dude, the so he and I had a little bit of a rivalry because he he's very good. Um, we did a draft once, and he drafted red black, and I got paladin in back. 
and just beat him to death. Paladin Invec, for those who don't know, is a three mana two two first strike protection from red, protection from black. Yep. <laughs> I just kicked his ass with that. Man, but, isn't it crazy how much better Sanctifier Invec is? Yeah. Sanctifier Invex a two mana two two that's pro red pro black. When it enters the battlefield, exile all red and black cards from graveyards. And if a red or black card we put into a graveyard, exile instead. Well, first strike. I guess yeah. First strike is, is the first is strike relevant. does does in in a limited setting. The first strike matters yeah. a lot. There's that's a kinda, lot yeah. of you just you just fucked his world up. Yeah, it was awesome. He and I had he and I ended up in the finals quite a few times. Gotcha. So, but other than that, I don't think I really. Oh, my water heater died. We'll talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> So, <laughs> so as we've got satisfactory, <laughs> some really the dentist, fun pioneer lawn care and <laughs> water heaters, and then yeah. So I was, uh, uh, it's out now. Everyone should go check it out. The Eternal Dirtles. Uh, we don't shout out other podcasts super often, although I've never, I've never been ashamed to talk about the podcast I enjoy. Eternal Dirtles is a wonderful podcast with Phil Blackman and Zach Clark. The best parodies, par none, on the internet. The songs are pretty great. They do every episode. They do uh, Phil. Um, uh, Phil Blackman is Force of Phil on Twitter. He's an amazing artist. He does the best parodies. Um, and I got the chance to be on their podcast. So the ep- episode that came out a couple days ago, uh, what was that? It came out yesterday, I think. So Monday the 23rd or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's out. Eternal Dirtles everywhere. Um, I got to be on their podcast. So I had that day off from work. I want to say it was that night. My wife came home. I was playing on my computer or whatever. And she came in at like 8 o'clock at night and was like, we don't have hot water. And I was like, <sighs> Turn my computer off. Yep. Guess I'm done doing things I enjoy Guess for I'm, the night. <laughs> yep. And I spent the next like literally four hours trying to get my water heater fixed. So we have a tankless water heater and we live on a well. So it's very common that you have to flush a chemical through it to clean out um, calcium buildup. It just fills the copper pipes and it'll shut it off basically. And I could not get anything to go through it. You basically unhook it from the house, you plug a pump to it, and you pump water. Mm-hmm. I use vinegar, but you're supposed to use a chemical, but you pump stuff through it. And I could, get, I could not get anything to pump through it whatsoever after hours now. Forwards, backwards, undo this, undo that. It got to the point where um, I'm relatively handy and I'm relatively ballsy. I started like unplugging shit inside of it and like pulling pipes off of to be like, is there, <laughs> trying to find the clog. Is it yeah. stuck in here? Is it stuck in here? And eventually gave up very demoralized because it's very good feeling as a man to get to be like, or as a woman, but just be like, I fix it. Wife comes, spouse comes, there's a problem. I have solved the problem. Back to Delton Ring. And I had to go back in and be like, I'm going to call a plumber tomorrow. So I called a plumber. They came out today and I was talking to my mom about it because I have a very good relationship with my mom. And it was like the best, like the best of a bad situation where our water heater is broken, but the it's a valve that's just stuck. One of the, not a valve, it's a, like a solenoid or mm-hmm. it's like a valve. It opens and closes yeah. and it's stuck closed. It's under warranty. So we get the valve for free. The problem is it's going to take a professional plumber four hours to replace it. Even which, with the water heater disassembled? Well, it's not necessarily disassembled. I didn't disassemble it. I pulled off some of the very outside stuff. I'd pull off some clamps and like pull the pipe Can off a little bit. Can you do some of the legwork for him to reduce the time he's there? So I'll tell you what, <laughs> as someone who can do work on like cars and stuff, and I, I'll draw an analogy to a horse. If you hired me to train your horse and said, will it cost less if I train the first half? It'll cost more, I promise. Yeah, but you're just disassembling You'll things. do more damage than, it'll, than you'll save me time. You're just disassembling so I will. I will pay the professional. We've, we've, we've extended past the point where now I can figure it out. Was it something you had messed around with? No. I know you didn't break it, but had you, like, 
I hadn't I hadn't got that deep in. Gotcha. I went very shallow gotcha. because opening this thing up, it looks like a it looks like a fucking old computer. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have a motherboard there, but it just has fucking wires and sensors and things hooked to pipes and <laughs> it's, it's terrible. I'll have to get you a picture of it. When you open it up the first time, it's like the first time I opened it up because uh the first time it got unclogged and I didn't know I didn't I had first house I don't know and I learned that you have to flush them. I had pulled the panel off to look at it, and I pulled it off and went, nope, put the panel back on. <laughs> <laughs> I opened the brain of the machine, said, fuck that, and closed it again. Fair enough. So I will pay the professional. But that was my last couple of days was sweating over the, like, because there's, uh, there's, there's a plenty of real chance. What I was terrified was going to happen is he, that he or she's going to come out. They're going to go, yeah, your uh, water softener's fucked. Here's my $150 diagnostic bill, and you can buy a new one for uh, $800. Yeah. And it's like... Cool. Guess I'm done playing uh, Pioneer decks for a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> really pro proxy now, guys. That's one of the downsides of buying cheap cards is you can't resell yeah, them. Yeah. No the, one the, wants your favorite hoplite, the dude. Resale <laughs> value is really low. But that's been my life. Uh, Pioneer on Mondays and then trying to fix my water heater. Cool. So, keep in mind, uh, everybody, when you buy a house, it's pretty awesome getting to own a house. It's your house. You feel a, a real. It's a real cool sense of ownership when you work really hard. My wife and I put a lot of time and effort into getting a home that we like. Uh, sometimes the world will slap you in the dick and be like, go buy a new AC unit. Yeah. It's the middle of summer and it's 100 degrees outside. Do you like AC? <laughs> That's why I got a basement. <laughs> hey, you like, sh- nerds. you like showering with warm water? <laughs> right. Like my wife and I are going to go to the gym tomorrow, I think, mostly just to get showers. Yeah. Because we just walk in there like, whoo, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Let's hit the showers. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, pro tip uh, if you're homeless ever, get a gym membership. Yes, because you can get access to showers and you can keeping yourself clean. One is very good for your health, both physical and mental. And it also helps you acquire a job or it helps keep prospects high when you can keep yourself clean and presentable. All right. So now that we've done 20 minutes of of stupid shit. Yep. uh, Before we get started, are you saying helping the homeless is stupid shit, Jake? Now we've done 19 (laughs) minutes of stupid shit and one minute of advice. Uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to give a big shout out to our patrons. We have a Patreon at Cantrip, or patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. Derek and Joe with the Family Gathering Podcast. Emperor and Rambling Rogue are our newest patrons. They joined in basically since last week. Yep. Empra is actually the person who's been, um, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but they have been helping me distribute the podcast yeah. on like Reddit and whatnot. So every week, if you see us on Reddit, it's usually Emperor putting it up for us. And he actually does a really good job, he or she, of... He'll put they'll put the podcast up and then they'll put like a three paragraph like analysis of a topic on it. So like they'll, they'll listen to it and then they'll talk about a bunch of stuff that they thought was relevant in it. It's really cool. He put, they put a ton of work and it's awesome. And then Ramblin' Roy, which is a really cool dude who likes talking shit on the Discord with us. Yeah. So thanks a lot for your support. Yes, we thanks, both really appreciate. Thank that. Thank you for the support, everybody. We it means a lot. It really does. Talking about support, we are proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network. Will and Aramis put up their podcast uh, every. They record their podcast live on Monday on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's Podcast. And you can join their Discord at discord.plainsoccerspodcast.com to join in a commander game at that same Twitch on Wednesdays, to be a part of a Winnebox tournament Will's trying to organize, to chit chat with us, to be a part of a really cool community. But. We really appreciate them. They kind of took us under their wing when we first started, and we're actually, I mean, like, we've had the chance to branch off and do our own thing. I talked with Matt and Will about it, and, like, I like being with them. I think we have a great community we've built, so I always recommend people go over there and just kind of chit chat with some of the people. We've got basically modern, pioneer, standard, mostly everything going on in that Discord. Yeah. All righty. I think everything I wanted to get out of the way is done. 
Uh, Matt, how's Legacy looking? Uh, better. The past couple weeks have looked pretty solid, and this week just continues. Uh, we've only got three blue-red Delver decks in the top 32. Uh, we kind of traded one Devil for another. We got Just Guy Control with six. So. Is it the Days Undoing deck? Have you looked at them yet? Uh, I have. I've looked at a couple... The couple I looked at did not have days undoing. Nice. It was just straight control. I I like control. One decks. of them, uh, I it's I don't think it was one of the top eight ones. I think it was one in tenth or eleventh. Uh, in fact, I think maybe tenth and eleventh both had it. Are running uh, Court of Grace. So I oh. thought I get that was another card you 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 were tinkering yes. with a lot. So I, like I, these I use that Jeskai as guy a... control lists are really up your alley. Yep. Like every time I see them, I'm like, yep, that's basically a list. I mean, I, I ran through a lot. I ran through several leagues. That was a list. I never took it anywhere. I don't put enough work into grinding on MTGO to actually develop decks really well. I just have fun with them. But I really liked the, I, I think I was talking to you, like, it's a risky card. Court of Grace is too white, white for a enchantment that you you become the monarch when you play it. And then on your upkeep, if you're the monarch, you make a 4-4 into a flying if you're not a monarch, you make a one-one spirit with flying. Yeah, but like it's obviously risky I- introducing the monarch and then losing it's a problem. But every game that I introduced the monarch and kept it at least once, never lost. Yeah, like like and then by a freaking well, mile. And by the time you make that four-four flyer, the odds yes. you're gonna lose monarch, and even if you lose it, you're not immediately gonna take it back are yeah. pretty slim. Like they're just dumping cards from their hands to to kill that to to you know get through your counter spell cuz you now you're up on cards kill that thing get a creature through try to take it back yeah well you, the what monarch does is something similar to what planeswalkers do where it takes the game and it creates a sub game yeah where and this was one of the problems with oko where the sub game wasn't fun to play mhm um but where you introduce this planeswalker where it's just like it's strong enough that you have to deal with this and that's the game we're going to that's the battle yep. we're going to fight over Monarch does the same thing. Um, it's just a lot easier to lose that it fight. Is. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very risky to introduce yeah. the Monarch to a game that if your opponent has creatures. Like, playing Monarch against Storm isn't that big a deal. Right. But playing it against Delver is fucking scary. Yeah, so uh, pa- uh, Palace Jailers was one of the other ones yep. that got saw some play, if I remember. That's the one that, like, it ETBs, it exiles a creature, and then uh, when the opponent becomes a monarch, that's when they get their creature yeah. back. The number of people who kill the palace jailer thinking they're going to get their creature back Guilty. is real high. Yep. The number of, yeah. The yeah first, it's not an oblivion ring, guys. The first time that happened to me on MTGO, I definitely bolted it and was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where's my thing? Nope. Doesn't matter. Nope. That's how it works. Um, so, anywho, if we're going to talk about the top eight, we should probably get started. Uh, we got Doomsday. Uh, we've got Wonder Pro bringing it home with Doomsday. Um, the deck that every time we bring up, we're like, yeah, we're not really qualified to talk about this deck because Doomsday is a very complicated deck with very specific lines and very specific cards that uh, I don't always recognize them. I don't see anything in here that I haven't seen before. Yes. It's like, I know, like, it seems like with Doomsday, there's probably like between <clears throat> three and five, like, li- like established builds um, that you make. Yeah. And, and this is not one of the Murktide lists. This is yeah, straight this Doomsday. List. And this isn't a. Uh, Days Undoing list. Not Days Undoing. Um, Ideas Unbound yeah. version. Like, there's a couple of versions, but nothing in here is, like, unexpected. Uh, in second place, we've got Painter. This is... Mono Red Painter. Mono Red Painter. It's important to say, because there's approximately seven different kinds of Painter. Mono White Painter, Mono Blue Painter, Mono Red Painter, Strawberry Shortcake. Yeah. So this one's just Mono Red. Um, 
It's got Twin Shot Viper, which we've talked about before. Twin Shot Sniper. Sniper, yeah. That's a really cool card that, um, actually, that was LSV's, uh, LSV and Marshall's spoiler card. And it was like, it was a really cool thing. They were, everyone was really hyped about it when it came out, and then it just didn't really do anything. Because it's this, basically, two mana for a shock that's uncounterable, people thought would be a lot better. Well, and we've it, already had that. It's called Sudden Shock, and it, now, don't get me wrong. Was it, uh... It wasn't attached to a creature, yeah. but like sudden shock was just two mana first shock with split second. Gotcha. As an yeah, this instant. is this is a, yeah this is a little better because this yeah. is a two mana shock. Oh, for sure, this is a better. Well, it's card. not split second, I guess. So it is worse in some ways for sure. But the other end of it, it it's a it's three and a red for a two three that uh, two three with reach, and when it ETBs, you shock a thing. Yeah. And then you can also channel it for one or red to shock a thing. Yeah. So it's not definitely not a bad card, but four mana is a big ask in Legacy. Something this is running, and I know that uh, it's very much either way for decks, whether they're running, how many Blood Moons they're running. This is running zero Blood Moons. Yeah, so, like, uh, Travis Parsley on the Legacy Pit, well, he doesn't run necessarily a tier list, but he runs, like, seven Blood Moons. Mm-hmm. Usually you see two or four, whether they be the actual Blood Moon or the creature. Mm-hmm. Magus of the Moon. This is running zero. Just to try to get them early, I guess. Basically. Like, I think Blood Moons... Pow- I, the ability to, especially because you're running um, things like the Soul Lands, you're running you're running the Soul Lands. Like you can really out of nowhere slam a moon on people. Yeah, I think the the reason like you can get them early with the Blood Moon, but the problem is Painter just does that already, basically. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So it's just I look like you can, but like you can like get their removal. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. It's well, and you can. The big thing is you get free wins. Yeah. Every now and then you're just gonna like Ancient Tomb. Or City of Traders on turn I, one and turn two. Blood I've Moon. almost started to wonder if it is better to run a non-red variant of Painter because there's so many people running Pyroblast. <laughs> and so, like, Painter coming down and making everything blue, mm-hmm. really, I remember one time I saw, I was on the Legacy Pit, someone had a Painter, and then they, ca- the, they cast a spell, so their opponent was able to pitch Wasteland to force a will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and he did that, and I was like, oh my god, that works. Good I call. had never thought of that interaction, because it makes Wasteland it makes blue. It blue, so. Yeah. Anyway, this was like a standard painter list. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got, so this is kind of an interesting list. It's got, it's like a mix between like Hole Breacher, Echo of Aeons, Karn, yeah. Mycosynth Lattice, but then it's also got Emery, Psy, and Kappa Cannoneer. It's, so it's this combination of Eight cast and Karn. I love how it's 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 listed as Demir because it runs Plague Engineer. In the yeah, side. two Plague Engineers in the side yeah. is that threw me off when I was looking at the list. But it's like it's very much the uh, it's the eight cast lists that ran the Echo of Aeons that we were like probably probably isn't justified. The Echo of Aeons isn't good enough. Well, what does make it probably more justified is Hull Breacher. Yeah. So you have the high end, and they're running four Echo too. The high yeah, end. Yeah, this of is just... very much a this is an echo whole breacher list. Yeah, because you're not even running the eight cast. You you've cut all the casts. Yeah. For whole breacher and echoes, yep. and then you've got oh yeah you got the powerhouse of Emery and Psy and Kappa Cannoneer. That's pretty cool. I thought about so we were talking about Pioneer earlier. I've thought about um uh what's the what's the card that gets you an art of uh a thing you own in exile? Doesn't one of the doesn't one of the yeah. cards it lets you cast a thing you own from exile? Or is it this one that lets you put it in your hand? And that's it. Well, this one, this one gets uh, a card from outside the game gotcha. or in exile. So this is the one. The card, the great creator, is the one you'd use with Mycosynth Lattice to yeah. make well, everything. 
the reason it's relevant is like in this, if someone paths your, some, someone could path to exile your, what's it fucking called? Not this, I guess. In painter. They can path to exile your painter servant and then you can use this card to get that back. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot. The other one it uses silver counters, doesn't it? Yeah, there's one. You exile uh, the top two, you reveal the top two cards of your library, you exile one with a silver counter and then you get the other one yeah. into your hand and then you after, can get the one with a silver after counter. After losing to Drew, I was thinking of ways I could like, a card I could put in my sideboard that allows me to get cards out of exile <laughs> so I could at least wish for that. <laughs> Hopefully I won't run against many people running four main board <laughs> necromentia. Right. Anyway, this is a really cool list. Um, like I said, it, the eight cast, an eight cast list, ditch all the casts bring in Hull Reacher and Karn. And that's basically the list. Now, there is one huge downside here, the price tag. So this list, it's the Lion's Eye, because that's one of the cards we didn't really mention. The Lion's Eye Diamond is also pretty important with the Echo of Aeons. Yes. It's not required, but it's pretty important. So that $4,000 price tag is If you're not running LED, I don't think you can run uh, Echo of Aeons. Yeah, I don't see why you would. I I don't see why you would. Yeah, and these these four Lion's Eye Diamonds cost more than eight cast. Correct. So, rough. There's always that. <laughs> All right. In fourth place, we've got XJ Cloud bringing it home with nah, that Red Printed. That must Prison. be a mistake. This isn't DNT. Right. Well, eh. no, XJ Cloud, does he play DNT or does he play Miracles? I, oh, crap. I can't remember. I think XJ Cloud is DNT. I think XJ Cloud is the DNT guy. Yeah, this isn't, this is, this is Red DNT, I guess, though. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, it, I hate to say it's, quote, close enough, but <laughs> I mean, it's doing a similar game plan. This is the, uh, this is the six moons. Yep. Man, six moons and then... The four full fable... Uh, four full... The full four fable of the Mirror Breakers. It's okay, Matt. We only talk for a living. <laughs> I definitely don't talk for a living. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got the uh, three unlicensed hearse. That card is... I picked mine up. Yep. I need to get mine before they get too expensive. Two Trinosphere and four Chalice. Like, this yeah. is... We talked... This is Dragon Stompy. You need to be slamming a stacks piece on turn one. If you're not, you you kept a bad hand. I don't really like calling it Dragon Stompy anymore. Uh, it's also called Moon Stompy. Yeah, I know. I I mean, Moon Stompy definitely is closer. I kind of want to call it Goblin Stompy, but Goblins no. is a deck. But I mean, that's what's actually doing the stomping. I guess is Goblins. But Moon is what lets you get Stompy. Because if you didn't have Moon, this uh, I mean, obviously, well, you got Moon Chalice of the Void or Trinosphere. Yeah, but like, so Goblin Roundmaster is not that good of a card if your opponent gets to play Magic. Nope. <laughs> I now own four Goblin Rabble Masters. Yeah. Because I'm picking up uh, Goblins and Pioneer. Because I, I decided I wanted another deck in Pioneer. And I was like, what deck can I buy for $50? Oh, this almost won SCG in a 400-person tournament? Sweet. Yep. That'll 50, work. 58 bucks. Uh, fifth place, we've got Blue Red Delver. Um, Just give a quick once over. Brazen Borrower list. Yep. It's the it's the actual Delver. It's not no Delver. Mystic Sanctuary. Yeah. Oh. Just hitting the highlights there. Yep. It's Blue Red Delver. Um, in sixth place, we've got Jeskai Control. So we've got hey. Snapcaster. The, like I was talking about, you got Snapcaster Mage, Monastery Mentor, Jay, which Jake loves. The only thing this yep. is missing is your uh, the Wandering Emperor mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, there's no Emperors. Um, but they have uh, Teferi and Narset in its place. Yeah. Well, and this, that's the thing that gets me is like, there's Narsets are being played without the uh, yeah. Days Undoing. People were talking about it a lot. People have been talking about Narset a lot for the last, whatever, two years it's been legal. Where like... Narset's been floating in that stifle zone, in my opinion, where it just comes and goes, where everyone in the community decides Narset is a beast of a card, and it just hits so many things in the format and so good. 
and then it'll fall out of favor for four months, and it'll be like, yeah, that's just unplayable again. Yeah. But it's it's Narset is so strong. I mean, shutting off draw spells is one of the strongest things you can do in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, looking through the list, this is one of the it is one of the Court of Grace ones. Um, mm-hmm. and we got one unlicensed hearse in the main. In the main, well, I mean, again, that if you expect these kind of like not all in graveyard decks, but uh-huh. just kind of value graveyard decks around unlicensed hearse is just a good card. I, I that's well, like right where you want to be. I picked mine up for the new deck I'm building, but like I seriously, if I was gonna be designing a Jeskai or Esper um control list around around mentor going like I would probably put unlicensed hearse in the main or side. Yeah. Again, I just watched I've seen I've seen a couple of matches online and it's obviously best case scenario, but the thing's terrifying where games grind to a halt or even if you're just like trading resources and every turn you're still just being like my hearse is a 2-2. It's a 4-4. It's a 6-6. It's an 8-8. It's a 10-10. Boy, you're fucked if I draw snapcaster mage. Right. And I draw snapcaster Draw snap, play him, get a swords back, kill your blocker, turn on, crew yeah. my dude, and swing. Don't for, for ten. Like yeah. it's so, it's it's one of those things that like they, it gets played, and um, it can be hard to dedicate removal to it if it's not like actively hindering you. So let's say yeah. like if, even if you're not because if you're not using your graveyard, that's okay. I'll use it for you. Yeah. But like it's hard for me to dedicate resources to killing your unlicensed hearse because it's you're exiling my fetch lands. I don't really care that much. But once it gets above like four four and six six, it, it's 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 scary. all of a sudden you have to you, you start you looking start. across the board and go oh shit. I hope they don't draw any creature in their deck. Yeah, and um, there's only there's only four creatures in the deck, but both of them crew. Yep, both of them eat on ETB crew. I guarantee you that's not a coincidence. Yeah, and quarter grace, which quarter grace is amazing. It's a really good it's a really good grindy finisher. Yep. It's one of the reasons I think Quarter Grace never like took off is the current grindy finisher people are running is, and this is because of Brian Koval, which he's not wrong, the uh, Paradox Zone, Paradox Engine, something like that. Not Paradox Engine. It's not engine. I think it's Paradox Zone. Anyway, it's like four and a green, but it's an enchantment that says it's from Strixhaven. It comes in with like one counter on it, and then on your end step, you double the counters and then make a fractal that has that power. Oh, gotcha. So you, That's it, good. You make a 2 2, then actually you make a 4 4, then an 8 8, then a 16 16, then a 3. And just <laughs> every single turn it pumps out an obnoxiously large thing. Yeah. Court of Grace does that in a similar way, just not as obnoxiously. And I think that's like the reason Paradox Zone or whatever it is is played over, is it just goes so much bigger, so much faster. Yeah. And it makes a thing that turn. Whereas Court of Grace draws you a card that turn, the Paradox Zone makes a creature, makes a beater or a blocker that turn. Man, could you imagine a parrot if Quarter Grace came down and you got the token at like on end step? Ugh. If you're the monarch, you make a four four right now. That card would be obnoxious to play against. Yes, yeah, it would be very unfun. All right, uh, seventh place, we've got ad nauseum tendrils with the one of rain of filth. So i I did some look, I did some digging, and I tried to. I shouldn't say digging. I asked some questions. Um, I was watching '90s MTG, and I asked them like, "What's the difference between Ant and Storm or Ant and Tess?" And it's funny because it says both. But I want to say what they told me was one of the core differences is well, and I'm gonna mix them up. One of them plans on winning with hand disruption, and one of them plans on winning with things like Veil of Summer. And like, obviously, there's other differences, but like, one of the key differences is how they protect their combo. And I, based on this, maybe so. Ad nauseum tendrils uses a lot more hand disruption to force its combo through, and then the epic, the eternal storm will use more like, um, what's it called? It's like Veil of Summer mm-hmm. to protect itself and make it unca- or Veil of Summer or the uh, 
not not deafening silence silence or what's the one that what's the one that has modal like it prevents all it's like a white orms chant uh orms chant has kicker yeah it was that one though it was like they'll use orms chant or they'll use veil summer they'll basically they'll stop you from stopping them um with like a spell like veil summer or that and then uh ant will stop will use things like thought seeds to clear the way gotcha other than that i don't know like I don't know. I don't know how inbred they go with each other because, like, this is running Witchclaw Talismans. This is running both Veil of Summer and Thoughtseize and Reign of Filth. It's running Pass in Flames as like the uh, the uh, engine to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Engine and obviously ad nauseum. Yeah. So I don't see anything in here that looks super spicy. Uh, just going through the sideboard real quick. A lot yeah. of one ofs. Yeah. This it, is a really like. Which I guess I mean when you got ten cantrips. Yeah. The one ofs help a lot. And you just, especially as well, like, if you think about it, your whole deck is, you're trying to cycle through your deck to look for particular cards. So you mm-hmm. can just, like, getting those one-ofs is great because you're just like, you bring in the ones you need, you take out the ones you don't. Yep. You just get, you get such a wide selection. Very streamlined. Yeah. Man, 68 And you have, a, you typically speaking have a wish board. Yeah, yeah. So they have two burning wishes. So... That's also going to be like if you look oh, at yeah, that, side. That, that's why there's so many one ofs. So you can just wish whatever you need. You're not bringing in Hercules Recall as much. You're just going to wish for it later. Yeah. Yeah. Dumb, but, I'm dumb. Well, and, and if you look at it, there's so Burning Wish only gets you a sorcery. So you can look at that and go, which oh, ones yeah. are they going to bring in? Which ones are they going to keep out? Yeah, that's a good point. And that's not always going to be one to one there. But yeah. And let's see. And rounding out the top eight, we have the Epic Gamble. Yes. So this is, if you heard me talking about a couple weeks ago, Ruby Storm, I ended up hearing a podcast, um, I want to say I was leaving a legacy, with the creator of this. And I don't think it's C.D. Nulon. I don't think that's who it is. Obviously, the deck has been taken by a lot of people. But the person who basically created Ruby Storm, like, it started out as, like, Ruby Storm, and then became, like, Epic Ruby Storm, and then it became Gamble Storm. Now it's the Epic Gamble. Yeah. He's been iterating on it very aggressively. And this is just the most recent iteration. Because I was talking about things like bonus round and stuff like that. And he actually mentioned how they've eventually trimmed kind of the fat out. And that mm-hmm. was a really cool card, but it just was too clunky for the deck as it's streamlined into something much more consistent. And this deck that he talked about really revolves around Echo of Aeons and echoing multiple times a turn. Yeah. Yep. The Echo of Aeons, Lion's Eye Diamond stuff in there is like that's just one of those things where like if you see echo of aeons you almost always see the lion's eye diamond you should you're you've got gamble as well to chuck it in there that's going to be one of the best things you could do in theory is like gamble for a echo discard it and then draw a whole new hand one of the really cool things about this deck and i'm I'm, what i'm doing is i'm paraphrasing what uh i can't remember what his name was unfortunately but this person said um was it tony because it might have been tony scaponi because i think he had a funny name it might have been tony scaponi i think it was either way the deck mulligans very well. Like you can, he's you can mulligan to four. Yeah. Because all you need to mulligan to four is, it, is LED echo. Yeah. And that's it, and yeah. you're good to go. Or land LED echo gamble. Yeah. Or it'd be the gamble can be. Like, yeah, land gamble. Yeah. Le- you can LED. You can easily mulligan to three or four, and you're fine because you'll just reset your hand. It's fine. Yeah. That 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 like decks plan one, and, and so you can do stuff like that. One of the. If you've never had it done to you, one of the most brutal things you can do is you throw, you keep your seven, and even if you keep your seven, you get another seven, and someone just gives you seven random cards off yeah. the top. Yeah, if it's it's yeah, where it you sucks. You start the game, and they go, they play LED Chrome Mox Land, and then fresh seven, and you get stuck with a bullshit hand, and they are now 
They now have cards played. They're three or they four got, cards ahead of you. Yep, they now have a full have, grip, too. You get a one-land yep. hand, or a no-land hand, or a five-land hand. I've done it. the wheel shenanigans. It's not my cup of tea in Legacy, but I've done it plenty of times in uh, EDH, mm-hmm. where it's just like, you wheel, and you can just, especially when you have three opponents, you can almost always screw one of them up yep. pretty bad. <laughs> yep, sure can. I used to run uh, Winds of Change a lot. It's just a one-mana wheel for a red, mm-hmm. and it's not... it. I don't even think it replaces itself, but it's oh. just one of those like you just dump your hand and just get people to wheel. Yep. Because it's just it's so disruptive. It is. Very. So yeah, that's our top eight. So you'll notice uh I don't know, but the, the the Ruby Storm again, we didn't talk about it. It's just it's oh. it's 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 red storm. So it's yeah. it's based around it's really based around Bergie these days. So a three a, a three mana three three, but every time you cast a spell you get a red mana. So it makes a lot of spells positive, it makes a lot of spells neutral. Yeah. And you just go bananas on stuff. Yeah, and you use stuff like Burning Wish. Burning Wish, flames. regular Wish, yep. Echo of Aeons to reset, Galvanic Relay to build for the next turn. If you're not going to be able to go off this turn, or if you're you know, worried about counter magic or whatever, you can force through a Galvanic Relay to draw seven cards for next turn. Yeah. Reckless Impulse to get a hold of extra cards for next turn. And, and then a bunch of free artifacts, or mana positive artifacts. Yeah, yeah, they become mana positive. Yeah. yeah, Lotus Petal makes a red. Yep. It's how, how crazy is that? You could, yeah, you make, cast Lotus Petal, cast Mox Opal, make two red, Blind's Eye Diamond again, put them back in the deck. Or yeah. at least the Mox Opal you wouldn't, but you know, sacrifice the Lotus Petal, put it back in the deck. Yeah. The, the, this deck is pretty crazy. It's a lot of fun. And I think it's, without the Lion's Eye Diamonds, I think it's relatively cheap. Although he is running Grim Monoliths now, and yeah. that does change that math quite a bit. Adds another $1,000 to the deck. Yeah. Without the, uh, but. I really um, wish I would have picked mine up for EDH when it's 40 bucks. That's 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 the story of magic in the story reserve of magic. list, though. God, I wish I'd bought that when it was cheaper. Oh, he's running a volcanic island now too. So yeah, the deck the deck used to be a little more budget friendly, but now it's not. So you missed your boat, guys. Yep. Ha. <laughs> guess you're playing death and taxes. I guess you're playing death and taxes. <laughs> All right. So What's the meta look like? Yep, that's our top eight. So meta game summary: we've got eighteen point seven five percent. That's six decks for Des- Jeskai Control. That's like so we- funny. We just literally flip flop between Dude, blue red Delver and Control. Totally okay with that. If if it run if it were to run Jeskai Control at nineteen percent for the next three weeks, and then it flips into a different deck at nineteen percent for the next three weeks, like I'd be so okay with that. If like if one deck was kind of the best deck for like a month, and now it's a new deck, super yeah. cool with that. So yeah, well that's that's the thing. Like you're gonna hear plenty of complaints on this podcast when there's stuff worth complaining about. I'm not gonna complain about this. This is again we have eight different de- decks in the top eight, like. There's yeah. nothing to complain about. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And and the, the metagame summary looks pretty cool. Because we've had yeah. that happen where the top eight will be like six or seven unique decks. And, and we're the, still rocking 25% Delver. Yeah. So this is like this is both things I'm looking for in a legacy challenge. And anymore, this is about as good as it's probably gonna yes. get. Yes. Um next up we've got ad nauseum tendrils, which just be aware we they may categorize these slightly weird. So it's saying there's four copies. It might throw a test list in there mm-hmm. there is it has a category for the epic storm yeah but, but they who get, knows how these get categorized so between tests and ad nauseum we, we aren't the five. only ones that have a hard time identifying the differences yeah well and this is automated too so it doesn't even have we don't even have that excuse we're just bad at it yeah <laughs> we've got uh other for three in the top so i don't there's a mono black like the, the blue black there probably yeah, yeah the blue black got put in that spot so Whatever that is. And then uh, Blue Red Delver uh, with three decks in the top 32. Elves with two. Stoneblade with two. Which those Stoneblade lists might be that uh, Cephalid Breakfast. Probably. That's been how it's been categorizing those. 
uh, then Sneak and Show with two, and then a bunch of one-ofs. Hey, Delver at 10%. Let's keep it going. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what we talked about last week. Oh, it's no, this... not quite as where we wanted to be, but just take a couple off the Delver and just sprinkle them in. This Stoneblade in like 14th and 16th place is... Is it uh, actual Stoneblade? Uh, yeah, it's, it's Delver, Snapcaster, Stoneforge, yeah. and True Name. Yep. So that's actually a legit Stoneblade list. Most played cards, Matt. Probably have heard it before. <laughs> Brainstorm, Ponder, Force Will, Lotus Petal, because of all those Storm decks. Yep. And uh, Swords of Plowshares. Uh, top Creatures, Delver, DRC, Murktide, Snapcaster, and Elvish Reclaimer. It's, I'm kind of surprised to see Delver and Dragon Rage still in first, even though Delver put up such, such middling results. Well, the, the thing is, though, the next, basically the next two decks above it are cre- almost creatureless decks. Hmm. So like That's it's true. Yeah, it's Ant and then Jeskai Control above it. So you're gonna have like a couple monastery mentors or whatever. Yeah, they're still they're still the creatures being represented. Yeah. And then you also throw in the fact that like Stone Blade runs some of them and Yep. Yeah. Uh and then we've got top spells again. Same thing as the top cards. Uh Brainstorm, Ponder, Force of Will, Lotus Petal, and Sword Splashers. Brainstorm and Ponder bringing home sixty nine and sixty six percent still. Yep. It's up there. Sure is, but still, um, this is not a this is not a podcast for complaints. Uh, no, this that, is that's a cool cool Sunday challenge. Guys. This is about as good as like obviously you know there's going to be people who like this deck or that deck or whatever. Yeah, but as as far as like the overall meta game goes, this is probably about as good as it's going to get anytime. Yeah, soon. and this is one of the better ones we've seen in like the last year and a half. We've seen a handful of these where you'll get a random good uh, challenge, but this is following a decent challenge last week as well. So we're getting some steam going on a trend so let's and keep the trend going just to reiterate that point the saturday one only had five of the top 32 as blue red delver and nice the top eight wasn't quite as diverse you got blood moon uh aggro so you got red prison there jeskai control delver jeskai control sneak and show which we haven't seen top eight mm-hmm. in a while uh mono green cloud cloud post goblins and storm so even saturday's top eight was yeah. still pretty good that's pretty awesome yeah, that's really cool. Actually, I'm really excited. To and see that. the Saturday one was cool. Four elf decks in the top 32. I don't know. We should probably start looking at banning Alasaur yeah. Shepherd. Well, it's good against 69 percent of the decks. That's why we should ban it. <laughs> when you have a, when you have a one man spell that shuts down that many decks, it's too good. Right. So before we go to modern, there was one card uh, that we wanted to talk about. It's so kind of before you get going. Yeah. That'll probably be our third topic today because we're we're already about an hour in. We'll do 15, 20 minutes on this card, and then we'll do modern. modern yeah. And so that'll kind of wrap our day up. There, we, I behoove people to go look at the uh, PVDDR scandal going on Twitter. Uh, it's not just PVDDR complaining. I wouldn't have this topic on the podcast, but we won't have time. Like, I heard uh, Goldfish talking about it. Wow. A lot of things, like, like four things happened, and each individual thing is unacceptable on its own. Yeah. And they all, like, four happened at once. Well, it's just one of those things. It's crazy. Um, we're like, we were talking about it. We're like, Hey, you know, looks like the pro tour is coming back and looks like wizards did a reasonable job implementing it. Right. Yeah. And then like, he just, he's like, by the way, yeah. Don't, arena still is fucked. <laughs> yeah. Arena and, is still and, fucked. And, and Watsy's still figuring yeah. it out. So it's definitely something you should look into. <laughs> the quote, every, there, there was two quotes people were spouting off between yesterday and today. And it's one is technology. And the second one was billion dollar company. Yeah. So check it out. Read into it a little bit. Uh, Matt and I both took it at, like at a glance and went like, okay, whatever. And then I got like a lot more in depth about it and it was like, whoa, yeah. that's not okay. 
So I basically hit the bullet points and was like, yeah, it sounds like typical wizards bullshit. <laughs> and it was like, yep. <laughs> click. All right. So uh, what's with this card, Matt? So the card is called Sailor's Bane. It is a nine mana, seven generic, and two blue dragon turtle creature. It's a seven, seven. Matt, 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 Matt. Uh, we play Legacy. We don't cast fucking nine drops. Sure do. <laughs> we do when they mix Murktide Regent and Kappa Cannon here <laughs> and create a dragon turtle. Uh, Literally. This spell costs one less to cast for each card you own in exile and in your graveyard that's an instant sorcery or a card that has adventure. And it has Ward 4. So I'll preface that this. Um, I'm still of the opinion on the podcast and the Discord that I don't think this is particularly playable in the current way Legacy is formed. But I will take the... I, I'm the so you're telling me, Matt, uh, no matter where my instants or sorceries go, I get to count them for Delve, essentially? Yeah, like if we want to take this card and just set it aside and just look at that four lines of text, that has to be some of the worst designed text i've read in a very long time yeah like the idea that once i've casted ponder that it will always make this card cheaper did you get the stats did i interrupt yeah you on stats? yeah i got it it's a okay. it, yeah it's a seven seven dragon turtle okay. i said that but yeah um that's ridiculous that is yeah. horrible design it's it's right up there to me with like i i don't love the planeswalker emblems i don't love the fact that you can't interact with those at least there's some like hoops you have to jump through like if you can yeah. ultimate a planeswalker there's an argument to be made that like you had your chance to interact with this em emblem yeah. by interacting with the planeswalker but with something like this unless you're i mean endurance is the only thing that sees play in legacy that would actually get a card yeah. out of a graveyard and not count towards this is yeah because exiling the graveyard does exiling the graveyard does nothing as far as this card is concerned does nothing and this is that's that is horrible design because now, this card may never see play in a competitive format because one of the ways you can fight uh, Murktide is I played it for like one or two tournaments um, but like if they stick a ley line your Murktides become uncastable yeah. Like you don't, and especially in the build you were running, I don't think you had enough land nope. in the deck to cast Murktide. Like with if you... waste, I think with wastelands we could produce like maybe we could have produced seven mana with all four wastelands out right. or something like that, or maybe 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 I had like four lands attached for mana and like four wastelands or something, yeah. or maybe two. Oh yeah, I barely. Yeah, I could barely cast a three-three Murktide. So, like regular used to, you could just stick them in their hands by aggressively attacking the graveyard with this new threat that is, um, it's a seven-seven with Ward four. But nothing else, no other keywords, no, no, no evasion of any kind. No, just a beater. Um, but it's impossible to stick it in their hand. And what it means is it's impossible to punish them for playing it. Yes. You know, that's how do you punish someone for playing Treasure Cruise? You make them pay well, eight mana for it. A perfect example of this is Unlicensed Hearse. Yeah. Like Unlicensed Hearse Does, is is the answer to these cards. And I honestly, I think that might, that might be at least in some part, an explanation of why Blue Red Delver is starting to see a little seem yeah. a little weaker. Unlicensed Hearse, especially combined with Chalice of the Void everywhere, is a brutal combination. Yeah, it is. And I like and it's one of the things it's, we've argued for a while about it is like Murktide is that is the card that yep. needs to go. And you can kind of see that that's the case because well, now that we're attacking Murktide, Blue Red Delver's a little shaky. Yeah. But we this card completely negates that. We've talked about how Unlicensed Hearse is one of the very few cards that is even remotely playable that can um, keep those cards down. They can they can keep up with your opponent or get ahead of them because everything else up until now that was remotely playable was either nuke the graveyard in one shot, which, which isn't they enough. Can... They'll rebuild. Yep. Um, or it was one. It was always one 
and it was usually you pick one. Yeah, Matt, you pick a card in so, Exile. It. Well, there goes my fetch, and there yeah. goes my other creature, and I'm, you know, I'm always, almost always able to hit Delirium yep. or keep the instants and sorceries to make Murktide bigger. Yes. Um, this. The 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 hearse is great because you get to pick the cards. It's two of them, so they're gonna have to triple spell to gain to net cards in the graveyard. And it also hits really fucking hard. And then it becomes a creature. And then this thing comes down and like again set the 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 card as a whole aside. This ability is obnoxious as hell. Yeah. Like the the fact that you can't attack their graveyard as a way to get mm-hmm. to keep it in check is really bad design in my yeah. opinion. So like I said, I'm I'm of the opinion like I this one is I'm in the minority and I've I'm like 30 70 for calling cards I think I'm like oh good card bad card I'm on the I don't think this card's gonna see a lot of play as as the format sets if Murktide gets banned that changes I don't think this competes with Murktide and I don't think there's enough slots to run this and Murktide the but this card's design is atrocious and like yeah. Matt and I said earlier before the podcast started it's literally one even semi relevant keyword away from being absurdly broken. Right. And that's that's the other thing that I was really frustrated about. Um like we're just talking about how like hey maybe blue red delver's starting to be kept in check a little bit and wizards just seems hellbent and I I don't think they're doing it on purpose but that doesn't really excuse it. They just seem hellbent on repeatedly pushing this design space mm-hmm. of making stupid broken cards that cost less based on stuff you already want to do. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, Murktide region is the example of it, yep. but like Delve has been broken in half. Like it's, it's is, never fair. It's either r- r- too is, good this or- This is power crep Delve. Right. Like, well, uh, to be fair, this is a- How is it worse than Delve? Lands and stuff don't count. That's true. Like yep, that's it, true. It is, it's definitely- I forgot about that. Yeah, yep. it, it is, it is different than Delve, but it's still very strong. Yeah, it's not straight power crep Delve. Right. But it's, it's, it's- in the same ballpark it's it's approaching the power level of delve and we already knew delve was one of the most broken mechanics right. ever made and on top of that again a thing that i really want to reiterate here murktide regent you cast the first one your second one you're gonna have to wait a couple yeah. turns to cast it now this, with murktide in particular casting the second one it does get a little bigger it makes the first one bigger this thing always is like when you cast the first one for two the next one costs two yeah so I have played more Murktide than you yep. in that I've cast a Murktide. Sure. But I've played it. The first one is um, usually free. The second one is usually very castable. And then the third one's pretty hard to cast. Yeah. The first one always gets answered right away because the format knows Murktide exists. Second one's iffy, whether or not it survives long enough to end the game. And then the third one is almost always what cinches the game. Yeah. But like you said, first one's free. Second one's doable for sure because basically you got your your graveyard nuked. Yeah. And then the third one's kind of hard. This is the exact opposite like you're just saying. Yep. where you're just two mana, two yeah. mana, two mana. Technically, and... the first one's kind of the hardest because you got to hit that critical yep. mass. But then two, three, and four would be the – they're free. And there's – with short of an endurance, there's nothing you can do as my opponent to stop it. Yeah, and that's, that's endurance being legal I think is the only thing that like – I personally think this card's probably good enough. Uh, what I was talking about in Discord, I think it could see plays a one or two of currently in Delver, and then like if uh, Murktide Regent got banned, I think it'd probably still only be a one or two of. Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever want to get three or four of these cards in your deck just because they just like every one of them in your hand is a cantrip you're not casting to cast to get them to be yeah. castable. Um, if, if there's anyone that's, I'm in a couple of Discords and I took a pretty hard stance on this card, um, and it turns out I was I. 
in my defense, I never saw, I never, I haven't seen this card yet. I have seen yeah. nobody post a link to it yet. Uh, I hadn't seen the card. I didn't realize it counted. <laughs> so when I first saw it, I didn't realize it counted things in exile. Yeah. That's I, a big boost to it. I immediately made the comparison because I was talking about, because Octavia, Living Thesis, um, draws less similarities to this. Octavia, Living Thesis is eight blue, blue, and then it costs eight less if there's eight instants or sorcerers in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So it's a two mana, eight, eight with ward eight. Yeah. I drew a lot of comparisons to that, and I was like, this card's completely unplayable because that card's unplayable, and this is only a little better than that. I was wrong. So if you're if you're listening to this podcast, waiting for me to apologize, I was I uh, he never I, will. <laughs> I in my defense, I had not read the card yet, and I turns uh, out I needed to read the card. So I I definitely undervalued it quite a bit at the beginning, where I I, I looked at it as stone cold fucking unplayable. Yeah. It's not that. No, I still think it's not good enough, but it's close for sure. And then the other thing I was thinking about, um, there's a lot of that mid rangey no delver lists running around. And I could see something like four DRC, two Ledger Shredders, four Merktide, two yeah. of this as being your threat suite, yep. where all you're trying to do is just cantrip like a motherfucker yeah. well, and just power out these giant dudes that effectively cost two. Well, as I've been brewing and tinkering around, like brewing, I mean, there's Jeskai controls a thing. But as I've been making Jeskai and Esper control lists, Merktide's going in them. Merktide gets slammed in them. And I still think Murktide takes that space. But in the event that Murktide gets banned, this 100% I think is one of the best threats you can be running in a, um, in a creature in a creature based Jeskai or Esper control mm-hmm. list. I'm this is this is a little bit uh, off the wall. I'm curious if you could play a Bant list and use Uro, and then the cards you're escaping <laughs> yeah. away are fueling your Sailor's Banes. Yep, they still count towards it. Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like that that effect is ugly. Like I. Don't like yeah, you that could, effect. You could pair this with Uro. Right. Where like, I mean, while Uro already puts your opponent so far behind, like, yeah, you could cast your Uro. It's probably late in the game. You might have enough mana left over to just cast a two mana seven seven. Yeah. With and that ward four, we didn't we kind of brushed over that. It's ward four isn't hexproof, but it's pretty fucking it's close. It's very close. I mean, you can look at Kappa Cannoneer and yeah. look at the the problems that like, has caused. Kappa Cannoneer almost single handedly brought back uh Supreme Verdict. Right. Just because it's it's Capricanier is one of those cards where if they slam it, you're like, well, I guess I lose. Yeah. So this is, I, I think I'm a little higher on this card than Jake is, but I think we're both of the opinion that this is, it's on the yeah. line of playable and it's just a matter of a lot of, like, uh, like this card's relatively easy if people just start bringing more endurances in. Yeah. But, but I don't know if you really well, want to do but it. That's only green. Right. I mean, how many green decks did you see in our top eight? Zero. Oh, the answer well, is zero. One with <laughs> Veil of Summer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know. I'm just. But it's like, I mean, green's good and like Bant is good, but when's the last time you saw yeah. a Bant control list in the top eight? Well, and it's this been is months. If this card starts I, seeing I'm, play, I'm curious as to how how long the Merktide, uh, Kappa Cannoneer, Sailor's Bant. Let's just assume that it's it starts yeah. seeing play. How long that threat suite? How long it takes before people start playing uh, Voidrend? Yeah. By the way, I'm gonna need you to pick out a collector booster. <laughs> no, in too deep. <laughs> no, I'll take a double masters. Yeah, we're not doing booster. that. We're not doing that fucking full. It's a side tangent. Everyone's talking about how ridiculously priced those things are because it's it's a it's a two hundred dollar box, mm-hmm. but it only comes with four booster packs. So they're uh, they're fifty, 50 bucks, bucks a piece. piece. I don't get why people are freaking out about this. They're, they're they're mad that you're buying a box that only has four packs in it. But like collector boosters are normally thirty to thirty five dollars. 
These are double master collector boosters. So they'll have a and they're fifty to ton fi- of rares and mythics in them. And they're fifty to fifty five dollars because it's two, it's like two twenty or something. Yeah. So they're between fifty and sixty bucks a piece. But that's like regular double masters packs are usually a little more than twice what a regular booster pack is. Yeah. And so the the box of collector packs that comes with four is priced as if you were buying four collector yep. packs. I think a lot of that just happens to. Or has has to do with just people see the number. And yeah, maybe there's a point at which they will not pay that much money for a pack, and that's well, different for everybody. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what you put in that pack. They go, I'm not paying fifty dollars for a lottery ticket. Well, this product's not for you. That's oh, that's what, I don't give a crap if yeah. they do collector. But I, just, I, like, I I thought it's like people are going crazy about it, and like unless I'm uh, I, and I could be doing something wrong, but like I running the math. Yeah, you're looking at like between fifty and sixty five dollars a pack. For collector packs that cost thirty bucks, I mean, like a Strixhaven collector pack costs thirty bucks. Yeah. So a Masters collector pack, I would expect to cost fifty or six. They did that too with um. You see, they're doing collector packs for the new Warhammer, not collector packs, collector commander decks. Warhammer fifty k is collector a commander, commander set. decks. Yes, it's an all foil commander deck out of the box. Oh. So I saw right. I saw the bundle, and I think it was like four hundred and fifty bucks. For all four of them. And the thing on Twitter was like, can you fucking believe this is crazy? $500 for four commander decks? And I was like... For 100 it's a, foils. It's Yeah, it's like a well, regular commander... Deck. I mean, I guess commander decks used to cost 40 bucks. Yeah. And now they cost 50. But yeah, a regular commander deck costs 50. Those are costing 105. That's about double for a all foil. Yep. Like, I get the, I get it's crazy expensive, but the numbers kind of track people. Yeah, the numbers are proportionate. Yeah. Now, it's, if you're it smart, is a lot you of, just buy rid- singles. <laughs> yeah, it is a little ridiculous, but, like, the number, like, I wasn't surprised. Like, what do you think they were going to, they're going to sell you a regular one for 50 and then the foil one for 80? Well, just look at the secret layers. The Concordant Crossroads one was $40 yeah. for a $30 card and then three 10-cent cards. <laughs> like, I do need one of those, though. It's, <laughs> it's literally the, like, the cheapest black border Concordant Crossroads you can get by a lot. Yeah. Did you want to talk about your turtle dragon? No, like, like I said, I think it's I think it's it's test worthy. Is yeah. probably where I would it, land. It, it probably falls into that for sure. And it, no matter where we agree on power level, the line of text where every instant and sorcery you own in the graveyard or in exile counts towards it. Yeah, Egg, to like, me, we're, we're we're approaching that like as an opponent. How am I supposed to introduce counterplay? Right. How am I supposed to affect that? Because that's that the whole point of magic is counterplay with your opponent whether it be with force of will whether it be with lightning bolt fatal push my own fatties like it's all about interacting with your opponent it's literally the reason to fairy three fairy got banned out of standard is it was too uninteractive like how do i interact with this why are we still printing uninteractable cards yeah and the the thing that really drives me nuts is like uh i believe morrow has said he doesn't want to turn exile into a new graveyard um and any i other than a couple instances where, like, there's, like, Rift Sweeper where he can return a card that's been exiled from exile to your graveyard or to your hand or whatever. Other than little stuff like that, exile to me needs to be, this isn't in the game anymore. Yeah. That's what it used to be. Like, if you rest in peace, I don't have to worry about your graveyard anymore. Yep. And now I still do. Well, they they really, I mean, that was, I remember hearing, a, it was like a Morrow article. They were talking about, like... <clears throat> One of the things they did recently was they really dealt in the last like five years, they delved into making the exile zone a playable zone. And I don't know if you've noticed this, you probably have, but there's so many cards these days that say exile it, you may play it from exile. Yep. And they turned the exile zone into something you utilize. 
and just with cards like that, where exile two cards, you may play one of them, or emergent ultimatum, exile three cards, and you get to cast two of them. Yeah. But yeah, now we're turning the exile zone and just where shit goes, and then you still get to use, like, you get to just tangentially use it, because it was always, it was always specifically used. Exile a thing, then you may cast it. Exile a card face down, you may cast it. Whereas the graveyard has is, is tangential use now, where I'm going to play a card, and because there's shit in the graveyard, I get to make use of it. And the yeah, exile is becoming, well, there's shit in exile that I can make use of. So are we going to have, like, super exile? Like, when well, do we get mega exile? For anybody who's been playing the game long enough, exile used to be removed from the game. Yeah. And the whole point of that was, like, you swords to plowshares this. It no longer, it's like the card doesn't exist uh-huh. anymore. And then yeah. they changed it to exile. And then as soon as they did that, it was like, like on a flavor, from a flavor flavor perspective, it makes sense. Whereas yeah. they want to name all these zones or whatever. Sure. Remove from the, remove from the game doesn't have any flavor to yep. it. It's been, it's been sent to exile. But the point of it was it's been removed from the game. These cards are not like rest in peace no longer removes these no. cards from the game. Ponder still exists in that turtle dragon's world. Yes. Because it counts it. Yeah. Like not to mention, I mean. Not that this is the end of the world, but it's also going to be obnoxious keeping track of people's exile zone. You know, you can cast Doomsday and then just like cast three of them. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Rapid fire dragon turtles. It could fucking win if you think about it. If you could, so think about it. If you had, let's say, you had one in your hand, and let, let let's say hypothetically they they got rid of your Thassa's Oracle. You know what Thassa's Oracle line? You could go if you had one in your hand. You could Doomsday, put one on top. The next turn, you could cast both of them. You've got four cards left in your library. You have four turns and 14 power on board. There you go. It might work. Yep, and they both have four. You can actually, like, if you, you can actually just fucking put two more. You can just every turn slam another seven, seven, yeah. and swing with seven well, more damage. Like I said, that, that to me is the big thing about this card is like, I don't know whether or not it's going to be efficient enough for blue, red delve or yeah. whatever, but this card is clearly very, very close to being playable. Yeah. They were and, one thing off from it being well, broken that, in half. That text line is, clearly bullshit yeah, that's that's obnoxious so anywho that's enough about dragon turtles i think yeah you ready to head over to do uh 30 minutes 20 30 minutes on modern yeah sounds good to me all right so modern this week on sunday was brought home by this four color elementals list from you may Batu- have heard of it batutina <laughs> i think it's how you say that name Batu- Batu- I don't know. so four color elementals list uh, let's see what this looks like because the list right after that is four color. Like I was talking to Emperor about it because Emperor is actually like you were talking to him for a little while. Like he's basically our modern guy now. Yeah. Like he's very in the weeds on modern. Um, I think it's a guy. I'm gonna keep saying he and they'll they'll let me know I'm a fucking idiot after this episode comes out. But for well, simplicity, you know sake, the rule on the internet. The rule on the internet. This has been the rule since like the internet existed. Assume it's a guy until you have proof otherwise. That's how you that's, don't yeah. get catfished. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but I so either way, um, he's yeah, super in the weeds on modern. He's super knowledgeable, and he like I have I really enjoy having uh, banter back and forth with him about it. So we were talking about this is I mean, he's right. This is called money pile. Like I've been forgetting to say it. I have heard of it. It did not lock in my brain. So this is credit to Emperor for letting for reminding me. This is these four color decks are, are called four yeah. color money pile. Because they cost $2,000 for a modern deck. Yeah. On the low end sometimes. This one is a... I differentiate these by how many creatures it's running. This is a 21-creature four-color list with Yorion. Um, we've got the Titania Protector of Argoth. We have the three Ephemerates. The standard removal suite with Unholy Heats and Bolts. Eladomri's Calls. Your Mana Fixing. Your eight Planeswalkers. 
and then uh, Fury and Solitude, Omnath, Risen Reef, and then some other. So this, this is running the Eternal Witness package, which we haven't seen as much lately. Um, but other than that, nothing special. The the big differentiation for me is just the Risen Reef. Yep, that's the like that's one of the. It's kind of it's a four of an eighty card deck, but that extra dose of value and like, but it for me I think the creatures are probably more relevant because you'll see some of these lists that have like fifteen creatures versus these. It's usually the either one or the other. It's usually either twenty to twenty four creatures or like ten to fourteen creatures. Yeah. Well, I meant as far as like between elementals or four color blink. Oh, okay. Like it it's not to me. Risen Reef is the thing that makes it the elementals. I yep. Because second place, we do have four color right. blink, and we've got Deputy of Detention and Meddling Mage instead of uh, Risen Reef. Yeah, and and within the four color blink, there's a ton of variation too. Yeah, with again between the creatures and like what they're running, how many of them they have. Like, I like that line of like you have Risen Reef or you mm-hmm. don't, because that kind of also pushes you into more elementals it as does. well. It does for sure. This is running. So this second place is four color blink list. Running one, the 13 Emrakul in the main. Yep. Which is kind of, is it 13 or 15? Uh, 13. 13 Emrakul in the main. The eight Planeswalkers. Um, a really cool thing that, like, I don't see enough of. I think more people should play it. Brought back. Four brought back. White, white for an instant from uh, Corset 2020. Choose up to two target permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped. So the floor of that is crack, fetch land, crack, fetch land, ramp two lands. Yeah. The ceiling of that is like crack is like um uh evoke fury kill your thing kill your thing sacrifice it crack a fetch land <laughs> bring fury back bring land back kill thing kill thing yeah I mean between uh, fury and solitude you could do some pretty stupid mm-hmm. things evoking and endurance you get endurance as well um I mean omnath your omnath is such a huge target that's gonna die a lot. I, Rotback is a really powerful card that is definitely dead sometimes, and it can be a pretty bad top deck in a yeah. late game, but like the ceiling on Rotback is very high. Very, very high indeed. Um, of note, one Engineered Explosives in the main. Yeah, Just a that. one of, but mm-hmm. it's there. It was actually something I was like, I had been making a mental note of it, and I just kept forgetting to mention it, is like these four-color lists, Engineered Explosives is like one of those cards that you I haven't seen a ton of, and it just, like, if you're running four colors, like, it should at least be on the list of things to consider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this For guy's sure. got one in the main and two in the side. Yep. But then if you look at it, like, the guy, the elementals guy, which, to be fair, makes a little bit of sense because you're going to try to commit a bit more to the board, doesn't have any. Yeah. So. Well, what's the, I didn't even look, what's the creature number on four color blink, just out of curiosity? Uh, four color blink has 18, 18. elementals almost, has 21. Yeah, almost the same. Then That's within variance for me. But on to third place. We have a list. Uh, we only got one this week. We were talking. We had, had a big text thread about it on Saturday. We saw, I think, two or three Titan lists in the top yeah. eight. Yep. Amulet Titan coming in third place. This is one of Titan's best showings, um, probably since MH2 came out. Now, obviously, Titan has had some good weekends, but we were talking about like I don't know if we've seen double Titan in a top eight since MH2. Yeah. And that was on Saturday, not not this, not Sunday. Yeah. But so and we then- got Saturday, got fifth and sixth, yeah. and then it also won a 5k in minneapolis the energy series 5k trial it was a really good weekend for amulet titan and i mean did amulet titan really even get anything since mh2 it's got got cultivator cultivator colossus yes besage is pretty good um cultivator colossus is just another fatty that's decent but like it didn't get like an overwhelming overhaul 
like most decks did with MH2. It got yeah. very, very little. I mean, it got, it got, in fairness, it got nothing from MH2 by the looks of it. And then it got a couple things since then with, yeah, the Cultivator Colossus and the Beseju. Uh, Urza Saga. It did get Urza Saga. Because that's pretty good because it does go get your tight, your amulets. Yeah. But yeah, like it, Titan was like the kingpin of modern for a long, I mean, that was the running joke was like, when are we going to ban Titan? Yeah. It was, uh, Amulet Titan was the Mishra's factory of modern. And that Mishra's factory, Mishra's workshop. Yeah. The joke is in vintage, they've banned eight or they've restricted like seven or eight cards in the Mishra's workshop's deck. Because they don't want to restrict Mishra's Workshop. Mishra's Workshop, if you've never seen it, it's a land that comes into play untapped, and it taps for three colorless that you can only spend on artifacts. So it turns out when every single one of your lands makes three mana, and it's like, you don't lose any life, it doesn't come into play yeah. tapped, doesn't sacrifice itself, doesn't... Just casts broken It just casts Trinisphere on turn one, and it casts, and you get two of them, and it casts things like uh, Worm Coil Engine, and th- th- it's, it's ridiculous. It's, one of the be- it's been one of the best decks in Vintage forever, the running joke was they'll never ban it or then they'll never restrict it. They always restrict cards around it. Well, they were doing that in modern for a long time with Titan. They were restrict they banned a lot of things around Titan because they just didn't want to ban Titan for whatever reason. They liked it being in the format. And then MH2 came out and it's like, where the fuck's Titan? Yep. And like kind of overnight, once the format kind of really settled into MH2, Titan has been solidly like tier at least tier two, maybe tier three. So speaking of the deck. It does look like a pretty standard list. The Souza's Dryads. Um, do you remember what I, uh, Emperor was talking about? The like the the fighting spot is it the Hanaware Battlements? We were like, there's like there's one or two like spots in the mana base that like Primeval Titan is fighting for mm-hmm. what to put in, and I think it was the the Hanaware Battlements, which is one I haven't seen. So what? It's a uh, land that comes into play untapped, produces a colorless. This is the one. So you pay red and tap it. Target creature gains haste until the end of turn. That's what. So this this gives you the play prime time win. Yeah. As long as you have a uh what's it out? An amulet out. You can get Hanover Battlements and what's the one that gives them double strike? Is that one in this as well? That's that's the, that's the combo I've seen. I don't think the double strike one's in here. So then why is this in here? Other than so it lets you go get Titan and then you get I mean maybe just the value is too good. You go get Titan, you get Hanover Battlements and a red source, untap it, tap the Hanover Battlements, give the Titan haste. Attack with Titan, get a second Titan trigger. Yeah, and the the wins I used to see, and I'm sure he'll he'll put it in the comments. But it was like, there was one that you could come in and like pay three and give a creature double strike, and so now you're swinging in for like twelve or something, or you gave it like plus X plus X for something. Um, but yeah, I don't know what. And then obviously the the most common win is with Balakut. Just come in and your your uh, Dryad of Elysian Grove makes all of your lands mountains get, and that that is also a, a same turn win where you you get prime time. Yeah. You go get Balakut. Well, you get Valakut and Hanaware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have trigger, your trigger, trigger, out. Then you give the Titan um, haste, go get another, and then go get two more Valakuts. And then it's like, and then it's... Dome. Dome. Yeah. Then it's a Gatling gun. But it's, we were really cool to, it was really cool to see Titan doing so well. Obviously, I don't want to see Titan own the format again, but it was just cool to see Titan come back and like put up good numbers because it's a really powerful deck. And I know a lot of people hate it, but it's a good deck and it, like, it should be here, I think. Like, it's... It's one of the few like really big mana decks in modern. And Thornscape Battle Mage. That card's old. <laughs> Where do you in see the that? Side. What it's... is this? <laughs> so Apocalypse. Uh if I remember, I think it was Apocalypse. Uh, this one's not out of Apocalypse. It's from a different Look at this deck. wording. Kicker. 
red and or white. Yes. So the they had a series of these in the apocalypse, and this is how they were doing multicolor cards. Is it uh-huh. would have a it'd be a, a monocolored card with two different kickers. And this is based off of that. It might have actually been in there. I don't see it though. Um, but yeah, this is just a cool card. Like I, I love seeing this kind of stuff, like the older card design where it's like, it's a two two for three, and then you could <laughs> Yeah, you can blow up an artifact or shock somebody. Yeah, you can pay a red to kill a Ragavan or pay a white to blow up an artifact. On a 2-2 for three. I feel like there's better things than that. But it is an elf, so get in there, elves. I guess. An elf got third. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. An elf elf deck did get third place. Hey, if uh, that echoes of Aeon's... Yeah, you're list right. is Demir because it has Plague Engineer. <laughs> yeah. then this is an elf deck. Yeah, it's an elf deck. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Fourth place, four color living end. Um, well, it loads. I I say um to let it load. Again, this is it's living end. Did you see anything interesting? One subtlety. Uh, do we have any? Do we have any sky turtles? No, no sky turtles. But and... so we have the one brazen bar. We have one subtlety in the main. The rest of the subtleties are in the side. This is pretty stock. I don't see anything super. I feel bad. Like Living End's a cool deck, and like it's one thing like I'm glad Living End exists, but every time it comes up, it's like, yeah, it's Living End. It's, it's the same thing with the Cascade decks in general. Yep, the Cascade decks in general. Fifth place was a four color blink list. So no this Risen is... Reef. So <laughs> no Risen Reef. So we're not talking elementals. I wonder if that's exactly how MTG Goldfish classifies it. If it's looking for the elemental, that could. Like, from what I've seen, I think that is the way it breaks yeah. it down. Now, this is what I was talking about, where th- now we're down to 17 creatures. And I guess that one was 18, but, like, we're we're inching our way down. We were 21 to 23 versus 17. That's a big jump in just literally onboard threats to end the game. Yep. But you got four Solitude and two Fury, four Omnath. This Wandering Mind, which is kind of a cool thing that, like, saw some play um, in, like, combo-ish decks, but it's a three-mana 2-1. It's one blue-red for a 2-1 flying uh, when an ETBs look at the top six cards of your library, reveal a non-creature, non-land, put it into your hand, and the rest on the bottom. So it basically comes in, you get to Narset for six, and that's it. But it's a really good value plan to just be like, on turn three or on turn four, dig for something relevant. And well, when you have 19 spells, yeah, lots of things to find. Eight Planeswalkers. Like that to me. Oh, it is, does it planeswalkers as yeah, well. Yeah, it's non-creature, non-land. Yeah. So like that to me is probably what you're going to be digging for. Obviously, this you know it's going to be different game to game. Yeah. But like when you have, because if you think about it, this has 17 creatures. But to kind of back up your point, four coattles, two eternal witness, one wandering mind. The furies and the solitudes are frequently going to be cast as spells effectively. Yeah. So you got Omnath. As your beat stick, and yep. then maybe one or two ele- actual elementals you like cast and keep yeah. around. Fury beats. Fury beats are very real. It too. is. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It is. But it. Yeah. Like you're sol- going to be digging for solitude, those plane walkers. Solitude beats aren't crazy. Ice Fang Coatl beats aren't crazy. Eternal Witness beats aren't crazy. But Omnath can be pretty insane if you yeah. can start really getting those extra land tr- landfall triggers. And then uh, Fury is pretty scary, especially the Femorate. Clear the way. Um, but yeah. This is running six of the prismatic endings. So four prismatic ending, two watch of other willy light, yep. three ephemerates, uh, the three spreading seas instead of the two oath of Nyssa for some of the other lists we've seen. But again, very similar. Like like again, there's like this is a defined list, and there's probably three or four like kind of defined four color money pile lists we've seen. This is definitely one of them. Yeah. 
one. And they're all almost the same except for like five or well, it's like they're like the same except for like seven or eight cards. So they're really different, but they're all working towards the same yeah. goal with very similar things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to pick a what you think the metagame is going to be like because that's that's where your flex slots are going to go is trying mm-hmm. to adjust to the metagame. Or if you have a particular one of the things I like about Magic that I don't think gets enough credit is just like I enjoy running this card. Yep. Because I have fun playing it, I've and it's doing not. That a lot. And it, the thing is, is like. You don't want to run bad cards in order to do that, but when you have these money piles, there's plenty of room for, like, you've got 20 cards to fill these seven, so you get to kind of pick the ones you want that you think will be best. So I think that's a lot of where the variation comes in. Yeah. You just have people's personal preferences. Yep, but it is a lot of fun when you need to play a deck. Like if you're, I mean, if you're playing, like, at a showcase or something, I get kind of, like, tuning that down a little. But just playing, like, for funsies or even, like, in a small tournament or a challenge, like, it's really fun to get to play with fun cards that you like. And that's like where you start dipping into like, yes, there are a lot of cards that are tens. You start hitting those 9.5s and 9.2s where like, it's not technically meta, but it's plenty freaking good. Yeah. Like a nine mana seven, seven that costs two. Right. <laughs> ward four. Yeah. With ward four. Yep. <laughs> uh, six place crashing footfalls. Take a peek at it. See if there's anything that jumps out of me is like crazy. But like we just talked about, like the, the foundation breaker in the main is kind of interesting. Um, you do not see that. That's usually a sideboard to answer uh, sideboard answers to you. Yeah, that's answer that's answer for an answer. You're gonna be hitting things like chalice mostly, but other than that, I don't really see anything in here that is nothing super. Nothing we yeah, haven't seen before. Beyond expectation. Seventh hey, place. That thrun the last troll guy. The we were talking about a different card last week that reminded me of the trolls. He's got the troll guy in his sideboard. That's awesome. Which one? Uh. Uh, in the Crashing Footfalls, he's got Thrun the Last Troll. I forget what card I was talking about, but one of them just reminded me of these old school trolls that used to run around. So there was Troll Ascetic and then this one. That is hilarious. This is... Uh, it's just a 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 can't be countered. Can't... It's a better Shifting Ceratops. Yeah. Because Shifting... You see a lot of times people will be uh, sideboard in very blue heavy metas. People will sideboard Shifting Ceratops. Two green green for like a 4-4 four, four or a 4-3. Four, but it can't be countered. It has protection from blue, and it has like you can like make give it like trample reach or haste or something. But yeah, there's just a four mana four four that if you're gonna be it's something to bring in in the heavy control matchup where it's like if I get this, fuck you. Yep. And side note, he regenerates. So if you've been list- if you're on the Discord, we had a a brief discussion about yeah. Barry <laughs> and its long storied history of not existing, then existing, then not existing as yeah. a keyword. So uh-huh. yeah, Matt and Matt and Side Norna got into it about how it this should exist, but it does exist. And I I, I did a little bit of digging, like it simultaneously exists and doesn't exist because yeah. it is an established keyword it, that is a thing, but it's also been like decommissioned. Yeah, that's the that's the thing with me is Barry. You could make the argument it once was a keyword, but it's not anymore because they. They're the same cards that had buried on it have been printed multiple times without bury. They say destroy target creature can't be regenerated. And if you look in the errata text, so like if you look up millstone, it will now say target player mills two cards. If you look up wrath of God, it says destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. It doesn't say not on the card, but on the gatherer text, it doesn't say bury all creatures. The Oracle text. I think the Oracle text. I'm in a That's what I meant. When I looked it up, I think they said like, I think Tempest forward, they went back and fixed it all. Yeah. They went back and errated. It, they made the oracle text for everything. Like, I own a Wrath of God that's a reprint, and it says destroy all creatures that can't be regenerated. Yeah. So, instead of bury all creatures. Yep. And this whole thing started because Jake shared a meme. Yeah. 
It was it was a, my wife shared a meme with me where it was yeah. it was at a funeral and it was like Barry Tar it was like Exile Target Creature or something. Yeah, it was Tragic the Gathering. Tra and it was like on his casket. It was yeah. Exile Target Creature. It was a creature. great meme. Um, and I was like, they totally missed the chance to say Barry. Yeah. But clearly, the person making the meme hasn't been playing Magic for twenty five years. Yeah. And then we went on a tangent. Yep. So keep your fifth edition Wrath of Gods. Those are the best. They have the centered text and it says it just says bury all creatures. Yep, I've seen them. I like I'd like one. Seventh place is a list we have not seen since this yeah, podcast it's started. Been a... It's it existed when MH2 came out for sure. Uh, it was actually I almost thought about buying into modern to play it because it, it was I was looking at getting into modern. Asmo Asmorano Mardic Dicoldic Asmo. Uh was a really popular deck, and it was a real flash in the pan. It was everywhere, and then people realized that it just doesn't do enough. It gets a lot of value, and it makes a lot of things, but it just doesn't do enough. So we have eventually fixed that. People have been working on this, and what it does now is take infinite turns very quickly. So it works with Time Civ and uh, Academy Manufacturer. So Matt looks a little confused. No, so, I'm just looking at the deck. So you so, I, so Academy Manufacturer says, if you would create a clue, food, or treasure, instead make one of each. Gotcha. So. Asmo, uh, you can cast her. If you discard, if you discard a card this turn, you can pay a black or red and cast her. And you can, uh, yeah, you can cast her for basically for one mana. But you have to discard a spell to do it. But when you cast her, you get to go get a card from your deck called the Underworld Cookbook. It's a one-mana artifact that has the ability to discard a card, create a food token. This is like a seven-card combo. But you pair, so you pair the Underworld Cookbook with Oval Chase Daredevil, which is a four-mana four-two. But when an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may return it from your graveyard to your hand. You pair all that bullshit with Time Sieve, which is a artifact that says you can tap it, sacrifice five artifacts, take an extra turn. The way you take infinite turns, and it is very easy because the deck is obviously very, very geared towards getting these things out, but you get at least one Underworld, you, ideally you'd have two, but at least one Underworld Cookbook and one Academy Manufacturer and one Oval Chase Daredevil. So you discard the Oval Chase Daredevil with the Cookbook, you immediately make a food, which will immediately trickle the Oval Chase Daredevil and put it back in your hand, so you're never losing a card. Yep. And the Academy Rector says, since you made one, you make the other two. Now... That's not infinite turns. That's just a that's a that's a turn or two. And so what'll happen a lot of times is you'll get the game going and you'll build up a stockpile because every turn you're you're uh, cookbooking away your oval chase. You have a stock. You have like three or four. You could time sieve, take two or three turns, and that might give you the time to assemble what you need to do to win. Or if you have Academy Manufacturer and two cookbooks, you just have infinite turns because every time you make a food, you're making three. Which if you can do it twice a turn, you're making six. And you sacrifice five of them, take an extra turn. Yeah, makes sense. And then just you have things like Ledger Shredder. I mean, Asmo is pretty good. Asmo also has the ability. Not only do you play here, you get to sat, you get to go get a cookbook and put it in your hand. You can sacrifice two foods, and target creature deals six damage to itself. Very good removal. Yeah. So it's very clutch to get an Asmo out, a one mana three three that gets you a cookbook. It essentially draws a card, and then can kill shit at instant speed very well. You start stockpiling these foods. That's like that's what this deck was. Um, while it was in like limbo was not good enough is how do we make this deck do a thing that's worth doing in modern yeah because it's always done this thing of making a bunch of food but what do we do with it then academy manufacturer came out and people tinkered with it in mh2 but it just never got honed into a deck because everyone saw that it was a thing but it kind of was just too clunky and nobody really like 
dove into it. And I don't know if Doomwake is Doomwake is the one who's like really been tuning lately. I think it's been a community effort, but like it's popped up a lot lately as being a really good deck and really fast. You think the Ledger Shredder helped? Maybe it was the thing that kind of pushed it over the edge. I think Doomwake was working on this pretty aggressively already. Um, Ledger Shredder might just have that Urza Saga effect where it just gives a little nudge of power on top of everything. And so that maybe is what it is. It's I don't know if it's coincidence or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this deck was already very close to the surface and ready to break through and then Ledger Shredder just fit into it. Or if the deck was almost good enough and then Ledger Shredder pushed it to the surface. I'm not sure. But I've seen it be played. Uh, it isn't the kind of deck I would like to play because it's very fragile Mm -hmm. it loses to removal it doesn't lose but it gets disrupted by removal pretty easily and like without the combo win the ceiling isn't super high yeah i mean you've literally got asmo and ledger shredder as your biggest creatures now ledger shredder gets pretty huge but ledger shredder is not enough it's not hard to remove either because you're in a format that's prepared to remove murktide so there's a lot of terminates running around yeah and uh, Fatal Pushes. I mean, Fatal Push is one of the premier removal spells in Modern. So, like, obviously Bolt doesn't kill it after a single double spell. But things like Fatal Push always will, Terminate always will. So, like, it's not hard to remove a Letter Shredder. Asmo is a 3-3. Three, three. Um, Oval Chase is a 4-2, but it's you never want to cast it. Uh, eh? It's a really powerful deck. And it does have, like, I've seen Spike talking about Aspiring Spike, where, like, on turn three, he'll have infinite turns. You have a couple, You have those games where your opponent just doesn't have interaction or the right interaction, and you just have a good draw. You just go batshit crazy, and you win on turn three or turn four with infinite turns. Yeah. But it's an insanely powerful deck, but it's not something I'd like to play. It does run Unearth though, and I love a deck with Unearth. And then uh, eighth place doesn't really matter. Let's just move on. No. <laughs> eighth, eighth place is affinity. Was affinity. Uh, and <laughs> on track. This is technically is it affinity because <sighs> two, we have two galvanic blasts, two galvanic blasts in the side, and we do have some red mana sources in the main. Yeah, I guess we have black mana sources in the main too. What is that for? Like we have, they're running. Maybe it's it's probably it's just, just four, artifact lands. It's just form. It's just two it's more blue artifact lands. Two more blue artifact lands. Yeah, because we have the silver bluff bridge, which is blue red. They ETB tapped and they're indestructible. They're indestructible, and then they have the uh blue and black. they. This is a. Kind of a niche thing. Oh, cranial plating. Cranial plating. Yeah, you atta- can activate. Attached to instant speed is pretty good. Yeah, you could. Uh, like a one of those and a uh, spring leaf drum yeah. makes black pretty easy. Double black pretty easy, I guess. But this looks pretty much like what we've seen. Yep. Um, got a couple size. I didn't have size in my list. This is the modern eight cast list. So you've yeah. got forethought monitor, forethought cast. Uh, you've got a nice little wish bo- or a tutor board for Urza Saga. Memnite, Stopters, Ginger Brutes. Yeah, the size are, I think, I think the size are correct. Like, you just need to go bigger in modern right now. Pick you up some size. They're like $1.50. Uh, I actually ordered size already because I ordered Kappa Cannoneers so I can play 8-cast in Legacy. Did you? Yes. <laughs> You're buying Legacy cards again? I bought Kappa Cannoneer <laughs> and size. Nice. Well, I was just like looking at the list and I'm like, I need... Did you hear that Derek loves that deck? That Well, to be fair, that was part of it. So I have this horrible habit of buying legacy decks for my friends. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> you know what I like doing, and you've never given me a legacy deck. I've let you use my Jaces or my Tundras. and Yes, you have. <laughs> anything like that. But uh, I typically speaking won't buy decks that I have no interest in playing. Yeah. But I'm also a big fan of 8-cast, and I was just like, well, 
I mean, I have almost the entire list. Mm-hmm. Um, ACAS is a relatively cheap legacy deck. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I'll just. Is there any reserve list cards? No. Not in the like straight eight cast list. The original it, ones had Lion's Eye Diamonds and Echo Veons, and then they it, cut those. Is it running any of the Soul Lands? Is it, uh, it might have two City of Traders, but I have one. Yeah. But um, the I think the list I was looking at just had four Ancient Tombs. Gotcha. So um, cool. Yeah, I look forward to playing against it. We need to we need to meet up with uh with Derek and Joe at Family Gathering. They've got like he they proxied up six yeah. or seven Legacy yep. decks. We need to go have a Legacy weekend. I'll put together the uh, I have a Jess guy. Uh, control list I want to play. Although if we're playing, I'll tell you what, if we're playing proxy, which obviously we are, I'll probably put together the Esper control list I've been mm-hmm. tinkering with because I got my Void Rens and I'll take that and Yeah. It'd be fun to run that through a gauntlet of a bunch of decks and just play it in paper. Yep. Dude, okay, here. Um, that was eighth place. That's Affinity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I haven't got to play in paper very much my entire life except for Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a lot of on MTGO. This popper, this regular popper league is the first like regular- Pioneer? Sorry, this regular Pioneer League that I, the first regular paper magic I've been playing, I'm like three or four weeks in. Dude, I look so forward to Mondays now that I'm just going to go like just play paper magic for like three hours. Yeah. And you've played with me. I'm very competitive. I get a little too salty sometimes. I've been dialing it back, but I get a little salty and I'm, I've never been ashamed to say it to anybody because you should know who you are. You should be aware of your faults. I get a little too salty sometimes. And it's especially as a relatively new magic player, you just have to lose a lot of games yeah. of magic before you just get comfortable losing a yeah, lot of games of magic. For sure. And I, if you, anyone, every, every single person who's listening to this who plays paper magic knows what I'm about ready to say, but like, dude, losing in paper, I give so few fucks. It's so much more fun to just get like, to get hosed. Like, when I got hosed by Necromentia, like three turns in a row with Drew, mm-hmm. we were laughing our asses off because it was so fun. If I was online and I was playing and somebody opened up on turn three mainboard Alt Necromentia, <laughs> I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Who the fuck plays Necromentia? <sighs> but against Derek or against Drew and he's like, he just fucking looks at me, smiles and turns it around and it's like, you gotta be fucking kidding. Yep. And we had, it's so much fun. So like, I go through things where I'll, yeah, I'll lose three or four games in a row, and it's it's so much fun. I love playing in paper. It's dude, the 100%, the most important thing about Magic the Gathering is the gathering part. Yep. Man, I, I look forward to Monday that's, so much. That's one of the only things that actually gets me is I've gotten to the point where, outside of very rare instances, there's only one deck where I legitimately really care if I win or lose, and that's Legacy Elves. If I'm playing Legacy Elves... You and I could I could oh, I meet a stranger and we'd be playing magic on the bus mm-hmm. and I'd be like, I am here to yeah. fucking dick stomp you. The, the only time Matt gets kind of salty is when his elf deck loses for the third game in a row. Yeah. And he's like, I'm ready to play something else for a minute. Yeah. And it's Which, like, to and be it, fair, it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. And I think Marin, Marin too. Marin's like, about you, the only other one, but Marin's normally- Marin's EDH deck where you don't, and I'm, I'm the same with Tatiova. I don't like it when, well, you don't mind losing as much when Marin doesn't play. Yeah. I don't like it when Tatiova doesn't play three games in a row. Yeah. I get like, this is fucking bullshit. Come on. Yeah. It gets frustrating when you're just not. Like, this is my deck. This is my thing. I don't get to. But uh, let's finish this up because it's, we're about, we're a little over an hour and a half. Yeah. And we got fucking Will from the Planesuckers podcast roasting us because you don't have enough content to put out 90 minutes a week, huh, Will? What? He was roasting us oh. his being like, we're going to go a little longer. Not as long as Cantrip Cartel, oh, but gotcha. we're going to go a little longer this week. Because <laughs> they stick him to about an hour every week. What? And it's he likes to throw shade that we give our, pat- our, our patrons and our 
our uh, listeners extra yeah, content. Yeah, I mean, we're so. up to recording about two hours a week now. So, you know, Will, if you guys could just, like, if you covered a more interesting format, you probably would have more to talk about. Boo, Standard sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's funny. Standard is, like, the best place it's been in, like, four years. It's actually in a really good spot. Oh, so it's almost as good as Pioneer? It's almost as good as Pioneer. <laughs> I... I really, I don't like just talking shit about formats because everybody has their own that they yeah. really enjoy. Uh, if Pioneer, Modern, or Legacy had the accessibility that Standard does, no one would play Standard. Yeah. That's Although just... it's funny, uh, Standard isn't even super accessible anymore. A lot of the top decks in Standard are like six, seven hundred bucks. Well, I mean, just like you, for example, if all of Legacy existed on Arena. Yeah. Oh god! How yeah. much standard do you think would be being played outside of like, like when they push it for pro tours and yeah. stuff like that? I, I here's I there's plenty of standard environments I would play in. I played a lot of standard when I got into arena, and it's fine. Standard's fine. It's it's manage your expectations. It's standard, but it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, like I could play modern on arena. Oh jeez, that's what I mean. Like yeah. I, I play exclusively historic because it's in my opinion it's a lot more fun than standard. Yeah, and like the once arena gets pioneer in. Ernest, yeah, that's gonna I'm be so awesome. excited. That I'm, that might actually get me to play I'm stock, on Arena. I'm stockpiling coins. You gotta start playing now so you can stockpile coins. I'll just for wild throw cards. a couple hundred bucks at it and buy my deck. Fucking rich people. I'm not rich. I just <laughs> like yeah. But what are you gonna do when your water heater doesn't turn on? <laughs> throw a couple hundred bucks at it. <laughs> Meta game summary. Let's wrap this guy. Let's wrap this up. Uh, six Merktide Regent decks for eighteen and a half, eighteen point seven five percent. Uh, that's about where Murktide's been. That's where the top deck has been lately. And the funny thing is, none in the top eight. You nope. got to go down to eleventh before you get to Murktide. Yep. So anybody who is complaining about Murktide being too good, obviously this is just one tournament. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think Murktide's been owning the. No, owning it's the just a popular modern. deck. And it's a good deck. It's it a is a good deck. deck. Uh, third place elementals. Third place or third place? I did that again. Three elementals lists nine and a half percent. Three hammer time lists nine and a half percent. I'm happy to see hammer time in the upper echelons yeah i'm glad it's still a deck yeah but i want it to, i'd like it to be more of a deck than occasionally 10 percent. but what are you gonna do well, want to get good. no top eights uh two blink decks two blue living at den decks two crashing footfalls decks and two affinity decks yes six percent each most played cards expressive iteration unholy heat lightning bolt mystical dispute ragavan mystical dispute fourth most played card that card's good it's almost like cards that are good against blue decks Not they good are good cards. i mean expressive iteration but Careful though, the twenty-eight percent, thirty-eight percent, forty percent. Could you imagine having a, a card that sees playing forty percent of decks? Oh man, that'd be great. Top creatures: Ragavan, Endurance, Omnath, Fury, Murktide, and top spells: Expressive Iteration, Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt, Mystical Dispute, and Mishra's Bobble. So, where we go? Memnite made the top ten. A zero mana one one artifact creature construct. Top ten creature of the week. <laughs> Alrighty, so we gotta get going here. We're gonna head over to our Patreon exclusive content. We're gonna go through the Pioneer breakdown for Sunday. Uh, as we wrap our episode up, I do want to give a final shout out to the Planesuckers podcast. Will and Aramis put their stuff up at twitch.tv forward slash Planesuckers podcast every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They play CommanderCraft at that same Twitch. Discord, discord.planesuckerspodcast.com. A final shout out to our patrons, Derek, Joe, Emperor, Ramblin' Rogue. We really appreciate you. You guys are really making the show grow. It really helps Matt and I. Like I said before, it helps us helps us rationalize dedicating more time and more uh, resources to the podcast, knowing that you know you guys are helping us produce it. it. It really matters. We appreciate it a lot. Yeah, so if you want to support us, go to 
check out patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Yep. If you want to hop on that list, get your name read every week, get to talk to us in a, a very direct fashion on our private Discord where we, um, I mean, it's... I am actually active on this. Matt and I, I, I'm really pleasantly surprised the small group we've got going on. We talk to each other every single day right now about yep. something. Yep. We've, we're always rambling about something. So hop into that, you know, if you want to hop into that. It's just a stream Discord. of consciousness from all the Patreons yeah. that are it's, just like... It's a lot of fun. We, yep. we, we're a lot of fun. And it's, I, we get... Like it's when they're talking about that thing. I like just dropping in and being like, they'll talk about that dragon thing for an hour. I'll misread the card and be like, cards unplayable. You guys are fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll go back to work and not do yep. anything for an hour. I'm just like, well, not replying to that. I'll just yell at Jake on the podcast. About that. <laughs> yeah. Then I had to come back like an hour later with my tail between my legs. So it turns <laughs> out I actually didn't read the whole card. Right. It's better than I thought. Yeah. Sorry. Still not good enough, but better than I thought. But yeah, head over to uh, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. You can email us, cantripcartel at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Facebook group that we're not super active in, unfortunately, but it, I, I try to post in there every week. And it is a good way to reach out to us. Like if you hit us up on Facebook, we are getting better about like responding, especially me or Matt. So you can hit us up really directly. Just uh, cantrip cartel on Facebook and Twitter at cantrip cartel. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, if you like really stupid memes, Instagram. That's basically what I do. Yep. I just that's all he does. That's all it is. It has no. There's no actual content. It's just it's me. just dumb memes that I find that are like nerd related. There so like go. Magic, Lord of the Rings, video games. So like, if you want to see approximately what my what's going on in my brain, Instagram. There you go. And as if that's all you've got, then I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. So. um my turn i'll go untap upkeep draw i'm going to cast snapcaster mage uh, target thought sees targeting you nothing no all right then i'm going to uh well thankfully that thought sees being exiled still counts towards my dragon turtle i'm gonna pay two mana and cast a, a seven seven dragon turtle sweet stupid ward four <laughs>